Welcome back to We Want More, the Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality Analysis podcast. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Brian Deacon. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. And uh, today we are talking about chapters 97, 98, and the longest one ever, 99. All, all of 99. Well, I'm only going to cover the first half of 99. <laughs> right. And we'll try and... We'll try and get through the first the sentence. First, the first ten syllables. I think, well, the first it is. I'm pretty sure it's just the one sentence. It is. <laughs> Spo- spoiler. Spoiler. If you haven't like read that and you're listening to this, you're uh, in for some spoilers. So. I saw right. in the last so. episode. I had because uh, I had the, the ebook open in front of me, and as we like got to the end of what we had read, I had started to read like the first couple paragraphs of the next chapter. So that's like we were like done. So it's like open for spoilers now so i'm like oh really it's draco and um i mean we already knew that but i'm like oh i'm like not saying spoilers on the podcast so i think at the end of this so i haven't read uh starting 100 i'm gonna start reading 100 and uh and i'm gonna tease something be like oh my god you guys are not gonna believe yeah you get to start reading the the second recording this one as long as long as this as long as the episodes are at your you know the current state of your knowledge of the book then that's all that matters so I think there was one where either you accidentally read ahead or I referenced something from the next chapter, but that was months ago. So, I, th- I think I did read ahead one time. I did. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, oh well. We did pretty good. Yeah. You know, we've only got like 15% of the book left. I know. How, was it like 120-something chapters? We're uh, 122, just... yeah. Yeah, so we got like, uh, after this, only like 22 more chapters. I know, jeez. We're closing in. Well, I wonder when we're going to find out who Voldemort is. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what happens this week, Brian? Uh, dun dun dun! The the Potter Malfoy axis of possibly evil, but we don't know. Um, in a, in a very this is not the original book style. The Potter uh, Harry Potter teams up with the Malfoys in a way that makes complete sense. Um, was that sarcasm? Uh, not no, it really does make, make complete sense. The weirdness. So I guess like my overall like I'm really not sure what to make of these chapters because. So I really liked it. It was really like a cool vibe. Like a you get the whole like wait a minute he's aligning himself with the Malfoys, um, and just kind of like a lot of like built up hoorah about it. But like there was also this like level of like sinister underlying. I want to. I'm going to ask you about it too, where and I really wasn't sure what to make of it. Like. Um, use everybody's favorite phrase supposed to like was it supposed to be sinister I, I, and I'm, not, I'm really not sure on this one um, I know that probably a lot of people think it was awesome and it was kind of awesome in a way but uh, there was a little bit of like Harry and Draco trying to figure out who was going to be Himmler and who was going to be Hitler in that equation <laughs> and uh, yeah you're, you're only Hitler if you're on the bad side you know if, if you're if you're a good Hitler then you're what is that? Who's, who's I know, been but a here, good Hitler historically? Here Chep- who's been a good Hitler? Uh, that's the way I see. Everybody thinks it was Che Guevara. But, um, no, but see, but in, here in chapter 97, he's like a Schrodinger's Hitler. Like, maybe he's good. Maybe he's bad. I think Who you knows? call it out. and Well, because it, it's interesting. We'll get there when we get there. But, like, he, you know, his he talks about... Uh, you know, how easy it would be to murder Lucius yeah. with an awesome transfiguration idea, which is kind of like if you, like you and I were brainstorming a few weeks ago about like, can you run a car on transfigured gasoline? Yeah. This is like that sort of line of thinking. But if you throw in some sharpened Hufflepuff bones in the mix. There you go. Was this, the, was this the, the hydrochloric acid one? 
Yeah, well, the sulfuric acid. Yeah, sulfuric so, acid. See, I think Harry's like over, overthinking it. He could just like transfigure their brain. Like he's got that shit well, sorted. But then, then you'd have to get like up to him and touch him, right? If you were just to uh, transfigure, no, you don't, have, you don't uh, have to touch. You don't have to touch transfigure. We had, didn't we? I think we established that one. No, you do. You do. I don't know. What what has been transfigured? Oh, I guess um, presumably like Dumbledore and and McGonagall can do higher level stuff, but Harry yeah. has never been able to transfigure without touching stuff. That's why he had to shove his wand through the troll's brain to, or through the troll's yeah. eye socket to melt its brain. Yeah, I guess so. And why he had to blow it. its head off first. Yeah, I figured we can count on Harry to have munchkin the whole thing anyway, so. Right. If he could have anyway, done, I just if think he it's funny done it without touching, he would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the idea that, like, okay, so you're going to ingest a liter of sulfuric acid that, you know, because that's the, that's the other insane constraint or non-constraint with transfiguration is that it's not uh, size one-to-one correlation, right? Yeah. So you, you can you can transfigure, theoretically, like a swimming pool's worth of sulfuric acid into something the size of the, you know, head of a needle. Yeah. And Harry's, Harry's then somebody somebody eats that and unbeknownst to them and then of course it's just it's water molecules going through their body or whatever and then a few hours later it wears off and they just turn into a puddle of goo um pretty it's an awesome idea if it's not necessarily what i would call uh, a nice idea yeah and, then, and like and then you always like wonder if so if he trans if he transfigured like a plate of spaghetti into a glass of water and you drink the glass of water and then you know let three hours go by and the glass of water is all over your body now. Like, what what happens when... What does that spaghetti turn back into? Presumably spaghetti and you're fucked. I know. I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd be fucked. But, like, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of fucked are you? Is it just, like... Yeah, how does that... I mean, do you have, like, spaghetti suddenly in your liver? Or... I'm just, just imagining like micro some... Micro bits of spaghetti? It's going to be Lovecraftian water. horror or whatever, however yeah. it turns out. You've got meatballs in your... In the valves of your heart. Yeah. I, I just I want this I want this poor victim to show up in a Muggle hospital. <laughs> so, so when McGonagall McGonagall is not that's not transfiguration she does that's she's an animagus when she turns into yes a animagus is she's different not. than transfiguration okay. so that's not she's not just yeah have we established is that theoretically possible could somebody who's like super good at transfiguration turn themselves into a cat? Um, I think the concern with self transfiguration is that because it wears off like. The, uh, the molecular changes that happen with the uh, with the target, like during the period of transformation, will severely fuck you up when you turn back. Um, or like being half. So when you're halfway in between, you'll be all jacked up. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Harry, like when they're talking about it, I think this is in the early twenties. It might be one yeah. of his first classes. Um, they're talking about the rules of transfiguration, and Harry's like, "Oh, that explains why you know there were." like not fit adults and people wearing glasses because they can't just transfigure their eyeballs to be perfect. Um, cause the, well, yeah, I thought that was just cause they couldn't like hold it that way. Like, you'd well, I mean, I could you like temporarily turn yourself into a cow. So, so you could turn temporarily turn your eyes good as well, but then like any changes that happened while it's, while you're in your changed eye state, when it changed back, uh, there'd be just, whatever the atoms would try and smash back to how they were before, but all the mm-hmm. atoms have been moved around in the intervening times. So sounds like a bad time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, if you only need eyes for a few more hours, maybe. Um. <laughs> all right. So what the hell are we talking? How do we get on? How do we get on that? Uh, transfiguration. I was thinking about just yeah. how creative the idea of, oh, of yeah, yeah. melting, melting Lucius Malfoy was. Yeah, See, it all comes home people. All right. Home. So this one opens up with Harry. Cradling the uh, um, 
the Patronus and carrying it back to his trunk, I guess. And I think we this was something that was revealed in the Azkaban arc, but like your Patronus like won't deliver the message until presumably you want it to. Um, even like on an implicit level, like Harry's Patronus raises its hand until uh, yeah. he like silences or whatever deafens um, yeah. Bellatrix. Uh, so I guess the the snake wasn't to talk in front of other people, so he carries it to his trunk. Well, I guess because it just, sort of like feels like the Patronus is like smart, like it is. It's a person in every way, except that it doesn't get to have a credit in the plot. <laughs> it doesn't get to act like a character, but it is otherwise as smart as a person and can do whatever you want. I wonder. That's kind of my thought. I. Like a very constrained mind, maybe. I wouldn't know yeah. necessarily say like full person, but kind of like the same level of personhood as like, uh, mm, I don't know. I was going to say like one of Iron Man's suits that you know, a, isn't it, being piloted. It's as smart as it needs to be in the moment without interfering with the rest of the plot. That works. <laughs> anyway, so then it cuts from that straight to. Uh, yeah, we don't get to see all, all we know is that he has said something um, to Draco's Patronus, but that's all we get. And Draco presumably said something with his yeah. Patronus to Harry. Yeah. yeah. So they've been texting under the, on the DL, and <laughs> under the radar, that's what I was going to say. And now they're meeting, what, at the bank? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the debtors meeting um, with, yeah, which, and it's, so it says that it's like, that's like some kind of like formal invocation that uh, Lucius could make and be like, okay, no, you have to show up, we're going to have a debtors meeting because you owe me money, fucker. Um, and I get, and yeah, I guess it was also part of that was that he that it was within Malfoy's right to demand that it be at Gringotts, and uh, Dumbledore wanted it to be at Hogwarts, and Malfoy's like, no, fuck you, and then and Dumbledore's like, and, and then Harry's like, oh, okay, well, and Dumbledore's like, no, nah, I'm your ward, so no, fuck you, and I could, we go through like an escalating level of people overruling each other, but like every other one is Dumbledore, um, which is awesome. Yeah. But then it turns out, the, eventually it gets all the way up to the Supreme Court, I mean, the Wizarding Gamut. It says, yeah, no, he's got to go. Um, but yeah, so we open up, we are in, we're, so, like, we're kind of like in the lobby or something of, uh, of Gringotts. Um, and it's just Mad-Eye that came with him. I think there was an R trio, but they're off camera. Yeah, and they're red shirts. Red shirts that lived. Yeah. Um, no names. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, Lucius and Draco. Now I can't remember if they did they meet in the in the lobby or wherever that was before. Or did they not meet until they were in like the secure room? No, they so meet in the there. secure room. Yeah, okay. there's a line about how Harry like had to wait for a minute, and then Lucius shows up, but he was made to wait like for less oh, yeah. time than he could have been forced to. Yeah, which I wonder what like the rules say about how long they get to just summon you to a meeting that they never show up for, yeah. and how often <laughs> they can do that. Fifteen minutes, stand rule. 15, 15 minutes you're legally allowed to go home. <laughs> Those are just muggle rules. Um, yeah, and then we get to see, like, everything, everything's guarded by, like, um, like goblin commandos, basically. Like, they're, like, the badass goblin guards. Um, there's, like, kind of two. There's, like, the guards that were kind of, like, out outside, and then when they get in there, we get told that, like, um, so not only are they, like, away, so nobody's allowed any kind of magic in there at all, and when, when Lucius... Uh, shows up he doesn't have his cane which is sort of again like we never explicitly told the things like a contraband wand but that's what we could see all the time um and that yeah the, the like not only have all these like anti-magic things going on but they've also been like deafened so that they're guarding but then can't hear the private conversation so it all sounds very very goblin-y and paranoid and uh, 
and they've got these glasses yeah, that I think like obscure the faces or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. And I, I know they're goblins, and I've seen the goblins in the movies, but all I can picture is like steampunk dwarves. Steampunk. Okay, I can see them. Like I'm picturing them all decked Maybe out with helmets, them. these these steampunk goggles, battle axes, golden armor. I know that's yeah. not. It just has armored, hard, but yeah. I'm picturing gold. I had a hard time because they because they were giving off such like a special forces vibe. I had a I had a hard time like then, re like like making them into stout little wizened looking things. I kept picturing them in like khaki. <laughs> <laughs> They're just in camo or camo uh, yeah. with. Um, I'm blanking on it. Oh well. Yes. So. Oh yeah. So and before um, we got in, we get to see like uh, Mad Eye uh, in his in the spirit of constant vigilance, um, like lays in the hair. He's like, "Do not," and he's very specific. Like, "Do not touch a quill. Do not something like if." But he says some like kooky stuff, like if uh, like wash your hand or so. Like, yeah. But basically, like really, really don't touch a quill. Don't sign anything. Blah, blah, blah. If someone hands you a quill, yeah. break the quill, then <laughs> break your own fingers. <laughs> That's right. Um, and but then, like before this goes in, it's um, as well, I don't know, I don't think I pulled the direct quote from it, but as Harry's like all noticing all the badass goblins lying around, he starts like you know just running his his idle little got to think about everything uh, brain. He's like wondering about you know what's like what are the politics between goblins and wizards and we've heard some of that before but um he kind of like boils it down to he starts he's like pre-scheming about okay when i become furor like how can i get the goblins to back me over whoever it is i'm throwing over and he's like all especially because there's kind of like no trigger for that he's just sort of like idly scheming he like sees some sort of like political dynamic going on and he's already like trying to figure out how to like apply that to how he's going to quote optimize the world um, so that was a, like in this chapter that was kind of the first like oh Harry's being kind of creepy right now because um, it was very kind of like Machiavellian in the way it was um, it was just like okay how can I like set you know one group of people's motivations against the other it was um, very much like a manipulation rather than there was no like oh I'm on the side of the goblins and I'm going to like you know gain their loyalty blah 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 it was you know this is these are like a political player here that I got to make sure I handle so yeah, he's when he's thinking about like if I liberate them or give them wands, like can I get their support? Yeah, it's not think he's he's not thinking of it in terms of like this this subjugated race has you know been yeah. under the heel of wizards for however long. He's thinking like oh maybe you know if I give them weapons they'll help me fight the their yeah. uh, subjugators. Yeah, and, it's and, and like and it's sort of convenient that that's a the, you know the ethical thing to do anyway. So bonus. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 at least it has that going for it, but he doesn't explicitly think about yeah. that. That's, um, yeah, that's it's interesting. Like it, it's hard to say because it is sort of like a, a dark thought, but it didn't strike me as necessarily creepy or ominously pointed out. But I completely see where you're coming from. Yeah. That like he's just walking around. I mean, granted, this is a pretty high stress day or something, yeah. but he's just looking around for like what can I use as weapons. Yeah. And, well, and it's and yeah. it's starting to take on like a specificity. Like it's not just some sort of abstract, like you know how would one move the politics of blah blah blah. It's like okay, in the like in the less and less hypothetical situation where I'm going to try to take over all of magical Britain, how can I get these guys to you know help me do that? I think so. he, he spells it up more more um, what do you call it explicitly later in the chapter. Yeah. But I think his his thing is that like his quest as such as it is, hasn't succeeded without a, a a death. So he's like, all right, well, kid gloves have come off. Like, shit's gotten real. Yeah. 
Okay. Like this was all fun and games, even with a dark lord on the table, until somebody died, and so. Um, yeah, we get that. You know, that, now it, now it's, it's less about like, oh yeah, I'll, ta- I'll optimize the world, and now it's more just like, okay, how do I actually do this shit? Yeah. Yeah. So where do we get? So yeah, so he's in there, and then Draco and Luscious show up, um, and so mm-hmm. it is. They're just mm-hmm. sort of like in a, you know, basically a locked room, uh, in the cone of silence, um, and. How does so then? How does the I've forgotten now. Like, what is theoretically the so the the pretense is that I mean, what I don't know that there was like details to work out, but like Malfoy's brought him there to say, because well, you owe me money, and therefore I'm allowed to just bring you here. But it doesn't really even lead in with any kind of like anything relating to that. No, I um, think it was it was never really supposed to be about yeah. that. Like it was just. Like, this is an excuse for us to get together, and this is yeah. how I can compel the law to make us be able to meet. Yeah. Um, and so does it start... Yeah, they, is, they, is it they st- talk about money, but that's not really yeah. why they're here. So does it start with Lucius accusing Harry? I mean, yeah, because Harry's kind of like coming back and being like, okay, you know Hermione didn't do this, and, and what the fuck is up? But I want to say, like, I'm remembering it as, like, Lucius sort of, like, started, like, he was, like, the initial kind of... Like aggressor in the conversation, um, but like how do I think he's he's just the big presence in the room. He just yeah. sits down and he says, "I do not understand what is happening at Hogwarts, Harry Potter. Would you care to explain it to me?" Okay. And I like this. This is actually something that uh, I wanted to mention because it didn't occur to me until at least my first reread. Um, Harry, so Harry says, "You know, I don't know what's happening. If I did, if I understood them, I wouldn't let these events happen." And then he says, then answer me this question. Who are you? Yeah. And he says, I'm not you-know-who like you thought I was. And says, Harry, not being a complete idiot, he eventually worked out who Lucius Malfoy had thought he was talking to in front of the Wizengamot. And so when I reread thinking that way, I think Voldemort, or I think Lucius may have been thinking Harry was Voldemort since the train station after Christmas. Yeah. Didn't, see, he, didn't he Harry has like all He has like this cryptic conversation with yeah. him. And Harry has no idea what they're talking about, but he's just like saying all the cryptic things you're supposed to say because he's read a lot of books and played a lot of video games. Yeah. And then, uh, I want to say like that, that thought has already occurred to Harry, didn't it? I mean, not like he'd like come to that conclusion, but didn't, didn't I, want, I want to say Harry's like already wandered in the direction of this conclusion that like, Lucius thought he was Voldemort? Yeah. Um, I, not to my memory, uh, mm-hmm. like mm, maybe I'm not sure. I, I think that. During the scene in the Wizengamot, like, Lucius is freaking out and opposing him, but, like, is clearly uncomfortable doing so. Not in a way that he would be just kicking down a kid, but in a way that, like, oh, I'm kicking down my Dark Lord. Um, I guess I'm remembering um, just Harry wondering why Mal- why Lucius was acting the way he was. So maybe he wouldn't, but, like, he noticed the oddity of the way Lucius was acting towards him. So maybe... It was, it was like that scene where then, like, uh, Draco gets a note from... Lucius at dinner, he has to like sneak off, and then he and Harry talk. But I don't know, yeah, that was after Christmas, yeah. and Harry at that point he he tells Draco that because then he's Draco asks him like, what what were you guys talking about? You've got you've got father scared, and he's like, okay, I actually have no idea what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's where I Draco. Talking. I think that's where the chapter ended. Yeah. On I guess that maybe kind of sort of like beat. pointed out this sort of like missing piece of okay, why does Lucius? Why is Lucius so interested in Harry? But so uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, other than he's the boy who lived in a big well, political yeah. figure that will be a 
in the power structure in the next generation, yeah. et cetera. But um, anyway, so they're, they're basically just going back and forth about like, you know, why did you, uh, you know, cozy up to my son? Why were you friends with this mudblood? Like, why would you try and save her with a hundred thousand dollars? And um, then two million dollars. Yeah. A mere two million in muggle dollar. Actually, no, that was the 40,000 galleons is two million. So I guess okay. hundred thousand would be what? two or four and five, I guess, five million, um, which is, again, a quaint amount of money, not by like, you know, life standards, but by like world changing standards. Um, anyway, the because uh, I think that's what he points out is like, you know, he says your son knows something about the size of the muggle economy and they think it's cute that someone yeah. to depend on, t- you know, two million dollars. But um, anyway, there's this beat that I wanted to pull out because uh Draco wants to know, like, why Harry lied to him. And my first time reading this, it wasn't clear what Harry lied about in particular. Um, so there's a couple things to point out here. I think the, what he, well, I can let you theorize or I can just ramble on. What do you prefer? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure where you're going, so ramble. Um, so I think, and it becomes a, a little clearer once, once it's pointed out, but, like, what Harry lied about was what it meant to change his mind about like the heritability of magic harry told draco that it was a sacrificial ritual and that you can't believe the the falsehood anymore and draco being raised with you know understanding what a a ritual is and stuff believed that he thought that he had permanently sacrificed this when in fact all he had done is just like learn something which you can ignore if you want but harry let him believe that it was a sacrificial ritual um yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I my I wasn't reading it as being like so super specific that it was just kind of more like you fed me this whole sciencey line of bullshit, and the only reason you were doing it was just to try to manipulate me into liking mudbloods, and that it wasn't really so much about like any one specific thing that he might have said. Oh, that might. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a completely valid read on it too. I think that might. I wonder. We'll of course, though, the audience to your, tell me which of it's... your read on it is very much in line with this, like, increasingly bizarre fixation everybody has on, like, the literal words that come out of people's mouths, so. <laughs> I think yours is true, too. Like, you know, Draco could be, I think it's like, you know, why did you want to be friends to me, basically, yeah. or friends with me? And it's like, well, you know, part of it was because you were fun and interesting, but the other big part was, like, I thought you'd be a very valuable ally. Um, yeah. Well, and, this, and then so I like to... the next quote I pulled, which was, again, like, like, Harry, you're creepy weird um so yeah part as kind of like the end of that thought out of draco he says you used me said draco malfoy i only used you in ways that made you stronger that's what it means to be used by a friend <laughs> and i'm like that's what normal people say harry sure um, i suppose if i had to pick if a friend is going to, u- to make use of me i would like it to be in a way that made me stronger but that doesn't uh, draco's perfect answer like is like even C. i know that's not yeah, how exactly. friendship works yeah. <laughs> I know, but Harry just like owns it. Harry's not like, oh yeah, you're right. I mean, he's just like, eh, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. And um, I'll also call Harry out for, because um, he says uh, he's telling Draco that like, no, what I told you were things that were true from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. And he's like, a certain point of view. There's words for things that are true from a certain point of view. They're called lies. Know, Drake, and Harry just like tries to equivocate, and he's like, or tricks, statements which are technically true but which deceive the listener into forming further beliefs which are false. I'm going to go ahead and just shut that down, Harry. That is lying as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I think it's that, worth making that, that definition there is lying. Uh, techni- technically true. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, no, it's bringing your lawyer to the conversation for sure. But yeah. it's like that that is as far as like I think we talked about. Um, well, I I have one listener, Inyash, who gives me shit every time <laughs> I bring up the Wheel of Time. But there's the the, the magic users oh, yeah. in that world. They can't uh, they can't tell explicit lies. So they get t- they get good at telling like half truths and you know things that let you that deceive the listener with true statements. Mm-hmm. But like I think the my favorite example came from a short book by Sam Harris called Lying. And like if you're taking a tour of the White House and you call Facebook's front desk and you say, "Hey, this is Steven Zuber. I want to talk to. I'm calling from the White House. I'd like to speak to Mark Zuckerberg." Like all of those statements are true. Mm-hmm. But it it's, makes it sound like someone from the White House in a formal capacity is calling, right? Yeah. Not just somebody who's currently on the lawn. And yeah, so, I, like, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a mistruth, you know? Yeah, well, and, like, my impression of this keeps being, and uh, because I, you know, don't hang out talking about rationalisty, bloody blah constantly, like, you have to, I think you have to get <laughs> lost in a bunch of weird, like, hypotheticals and thought experiments. And to be fair... Um, to be fair, <laughs> for like this stuff to start to like, like you, the just normal. It's not hard to think about. Just like, well, what did he mean? Like, well, if he said blah blah blah, it's like we all have a like a solid intuitive grasp of what somebody means when they say it, and you know the ten percent edge of that Venn diagram can like come into question. But you pretty much like when you know somebody says, "Did Harry? Did you lie?" The Everybody knows what that means, and it's just. But that's what's weird. I think like Harry, um, and I think we just maybe like the audience for this, like so used to just like, like straining at those gnats that it starts to seem like plausible that, you know, thing that's just something on its face, intuitively obvious, is like now suddenly in question. Like say whether or not you're supposed to tell your best friend to fuck off just because of the hypothetical theory that you are in the last five minutes of the most recent 100 million years of sentient grass. <laughs> I think. Uh... The, like, I, I think for this, it's it's played more for, like, just the kind of, I, I mean, there, there's a bit of, like, a comedic effect. There's fun reading between the lines, that sort of stuff. And the uh, propensity for Harry just to munchkin everything he possibly yeah. can. And so this this is more of that. I think it's less about, like, this is, this this level of, like, again, bringing your lawyers to conversations and speaking exactly formally. You know, like, yes, I won't touch a quill. You know, Moody means don't sign anything. He yeah. doesn't mean you can you can sign stuff if you use a ballpark. Aha, uh-huh, but it's not a crime. like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like that 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 is not uh, to be clear. Th- to, that is not that is not the methods of rationality. That is just having fun by being a you know little munchkiny eleven year old shit. So um, don't <laughs> well, yeah, get me wrong. Harry like, does a cool. Yeah, what's what Harry does in this chapter is cool. I'm not saying that that it's shitty, but like that that level of like I don't know. I mean, you tell. Uh, imagine you're telling your daughter, all right, I'm going to be out for the weekend. Don't have your friends over for a party. And you come home, the home's, the house is trashed. And you're like, what the hell happened? Well, I didn't bring my friends. I invited strangers. Exactly. And it's like, that's not what, obviously, that's not what you meant, right? Mm-hmm. And like, that, that's still violating what you were well, clearly punished, communicating. you're not being punished. You're being conditioned. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, what's... what's I mean, what kind of like fits neatly in the story? It's just like weird and like unsettling. Is it like to me? It feels like like Harry's starting to kind of go off the reservation. Like he's getting he's acting weirder in the way that like he kind of already has. But it's like the volume on that is turning up, and it's starting to like wander off in this like sinister 
like Hitler direction, um, especially as like in a little bit we'll see him. Um, he's like silently as he's pretending to be listening to what uh, Lucius is saying. He's basically like coming to the ethical conclusion that it's totally fine to kill Lucius Malfoy now. Um, which again, like may or may not be true or whatever, but it's sort of like just the kind of like cold calculating way Harry is kind of starting to, you know, categorize his universe. Um, in get, in general, creepy. I would be worried about somebody being able to make judgments like that in a way where they could act on them because you're never... I mean, it'd be nice to say, well, no, I'm a nice, good person. I'll stay on their good list. But, like, who knows where their list starts and stops. Yeah. You know, if it does, if it only starts at you've murdered innocent people, then, like, all right, I can, you know, I can understand where that's coming from. You know, even in the, the terrible American justice system, we don't murder just anybody. We actually don't really kill that many prisoners anymore. But, like, even when we did, it was mainly violent murderers. It wasn't just uh, jaywalking, right? So, hey. um, and it's it, a creepier part is that you're sort of like it's it's contained only by like Harry's very like unilateral and you know kind of and smug you know assessment of where right and wrong is uh, with like the underlying assumption that um, he's pretty much the only person capable of having a worthwhile opinion about right and wrong. Um, so these, and then he goes completely you know aggro about it, so that the decision about whether or not Lucius Malfoy is going to be murdered with sulfuric acid is based on Harry's very um, brittle determination of the ethics around it, Um, rather than just like, again, like just sort of like the intuitive thing about like, you know what, you just don't fucking kill people unless you have a really, really good reason. Um, And then Harry, I can already hear her, but I do have a really good reason, blah, blah, blah. Um, But it's just sort of like the very... It's kind of like a scary, kind of sinister, um, like Harry could talk himself into all kinds of conclusions that could then, because he's just, you know, being the boy who lived, he is just a nuclear bomb. Um, yeah. Maybe this is part of why Quirrell is freaked out. Like if, if yeah, Harry totally. discovers the spell, become his goddess and uh, gets all the power he wants, like, sure, he'll kill only bad people like Lord Jugson and, and Lord Malfoy, maybe. But, you know, would he have snapped and killed Snape in, in uh, potions class? Yeah. Like, uh, now, don't get me wrong, Snape was being a dick, but did he deserve to be killed? Did he deserve to be turned into a pile of goo? Um, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's scary when you're dealing with something that has all the power of godhood. Now, yeah. I, I, I'm he getting, rushes out I'm, and dismembers I'm, Filch for the crime of mowing the lawn. Right, because <laughs> grass. Well, he, he would just save the grass, you know, he'd, he'd exactly. do that. Um, Filch is a murderer, a mass so, murderer. It's practically genocide. Well, well, Phyllis didn't know, you know. Neither did Harry when he stepped on grass. Maybe he moved it, the line. But isn't that creepy that it's like, oh, okay, and the reason why he's alive is because Harry was capable of making that distinction. Good to know. <laughs> I hope All we right, don't ever so catch him on an off day. I, I, I want to find a different analogy than Hitler for where Harry's going. <laughs> I know that um, you read more comics than I did, so... Is Lex Luthor, like, at all sympathizable? Or maybe Doctor Doom. Wasn't his whole thing where, like, he saw a vision of the future and he's trying to, like, avert catastrophe? Uh, Well, there's Magneto, who's was... Magneto's not half bad choice. But he's kind of obviously a bad guy. Like, Uh, Doctor Doom also has the name Doom, but... But, uh, like, the premise behind Magneto was was that sort of, like, righteous... that unhinged self-righteousness that like, you know, he started out as a dude that hunts Nazis. Um, so it's like this, 
cause behind it that's impossible to not be sympathetic with because um, like especially well because because Magneto started so long ago um, like he was a child in a concentration camp and I think it's like parents then like gassed by the Nazis so it's like this impossible this you know backstory that's impossible not to sympathize with but then you see him like take like once he's completely given himself permission to just and then and then he could like equate, equates humans with the Nazis and that like oh us mutants are the you know the Jews of the the new Jews of the world um, that so now he's like completely given himself permission to just abandon any other kind of you know ethical limitation on it and that's that's kind of thing like that's and so he just turns into Magneto. I yeah I don't see Harry making that same mistake just because he his moral sphere encompasses like every sentient being on the planet right and. It's very understandable why Magneto's doesn't, but... Well, yeah, I guess, like, for me, like, the the creepiness of it isn't, like... Because, like, when when you say that, what I hear is, like, oh, but it's okay because Harry is right. I mean, or at least, you know, if his ethics cover everything, it's more like the, like, not entertaining the possibility that you could just be totally wrong and maybe, maybe your, like, rules about what, you know, what actions you decide you're allowed to do shouldn't be like that you've come to this you know complicated ethical decision about what right and wrong is it's just sort of like you put some hard limits on yourself like okay i'm not going to go kill a bunch of people regardless yeah i'm just not going to go kill a bunch of people not no no i'm just trying to find a sub uh, something to sub out hitler for because i think hitler's yeah. kind of mind killery and, uh, and maybe magneto, uh, right magneto sounds like a better placeholder <laughs> we, we we got off we didn't jump very far away from hitler with magneto though um, I, I mean, I, I can't do Lex Luthor depending on your point of view, you jumped in, you know, 180 degrees in the opposite direction, yeah, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, you didn't get very far away. That's, the thing. that's right. Yeah, it's it's more like you jumped 360 degrees away from Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. All right. So, uh, basically, Lucia says, "All right, well, who who do you think is behind all this stuff?" And he's like, "Well, I have four main suspects. One is Snape." And two is the defense professor, just because he's the defense professor. Third, you wouldn't believe me about. And the fourth is a catch-all category called everything else. And the fifth, Lord Voldemort, I do not think I should name to you. Yes. And then I thought he, it was again I like funny how, that like, when he brings up Coral, he's still sort of like, you know, giving Coral a thousand miles of, of benefit of the doubt. Um, I didn't pull the quote exactly for it, but I was again like, really? Well, he says that if he's innocent, he wants to leave Quirrell out of it. I think that he's yeah. he's at least open to the possibility that Quirrell's behind it at this point. Yeah. But um, I do like how he says the third you wouldn't believe me about, then just pushes on to the fourth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then Lucius is not having it. He's like, oh, don't fuck with me. Who's this uh-huh. third possibility? The one that you obviously want me to believe is the true yeah, answer. <laughs> you think I don't recognize bait upon <laughs> your hook? <laughs> did you listen to this audiobook chapter by chance? Uh, I did again. Isn't the voice actor for Lucius Malfoy amazing? You know, actually, I, I mean, so it was good, but I, maybe it's because I remember uh, who was not Julian Sands. I wouldn't say uh, he's sort of like the Julian Sands of 10 years later. But um, I guess I'm like so attached to that voice that was already there. So it was good, like if in some alternate universe, if I had like neither read the book nor seen the original movie, it totally worked. But it was like too different because it was a little almost like Eastern European almost. There's I just some, take like, it like high nobility uh, is all I hear in the accent. Yeah, it was just like this, like this other accent that like was I kept it kept like throwing me off. I, I guess sort of in the same way that like when I hear Eniash's, I guess I've a little bit gotten over hearing Eniash's voice. But yeah, it was the same. It just kind of like kept throwing me out of it. But it was like well done. But it just I, kept like 
yanking me out of the illusion. I'm probably helped by the fact that I can't remember for the life of me what any of the lines that uh, Lucius gives in the movie, so I don't remember what he sounds like. So in my mind, he just sounds like this. No, it's like I don't remember. I mean, he barely has any screen time. I guess he's in the second book, but I don't remember him or second movie. I just don't remember him saying anything. He's got a fair amount. He's like the very. I'm sure he does. There's a term for that particular like proper London accent, like given, take it, something English. Like there's a specific name for that snooty like Queen of England accent. I'll have um, to just watch a clip from the movie. Yeah. And anyway, like he's got um, like a bran muffin stuffed in the back of his mouth. <laughs> Mr. Porto. Uh, that almost rings a bell. Anyway, <laughs> the bran muffin um, helps. <laughs> yeah, it, do- it somehow does. Um, so he, or Harry points out that, like, look, I'm not playing coy. I'm observing that it's simply not possible in a present situation for me to tell you about the third suspect and have you not believe that my story was anything but a lure. And Draco kind of just cuts in and says, it's father, isn't it? And I like this, where Harry was about to say, actually, no, then managed to stop and think yeah. ahead for once in his life. <laughs> and he he doesn't say, uh, actually, no, he says, ah, that's what this is about. You know, Lucius Malfoy says that Hermione won't get away with what she's done, and lo and behold, a troll kills her. Yeah. And so this and we is did, like, Harry, why. like, kind of gave a little bit, like, his poker face broke when he said that, though. I can't remember. It was, like, it was like shocked or something. Um, I get a look of shock when uh, Draco said, oh, it's father, isn't it? Yeah, he gives yeah. him a startled look. Yeah, startled look. Um, it could be, you know, it, it's, uh, I think, what's what's fun about this, too, is, like, the whole conversation that's being had in front of a witness that's basically acting like a, um, what do you call those, uh, vest cameras they put on police officers. Body camera? Yeah, so Draco's basically like a body cam for this conversation, <laughs> because they can, ha- since he's not an Occlumens, he can testify under uh, Veritas Serum everything he's seen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, like... All, you know that that startled look wouldn't be enough to exonerate this accusation or whatever. But everything Harry says and all this and that, it's it's again, it's a very fun thing where he's he's. Uh, I I just love how this is all set up. Yeah. It, it's playing well, on yeah, handful like of levels. Of like the rapport that Harry and Draco have built is now not necessarily working against Harry, but like that little bit of Harry like slipping and looking startled was enough. It didn't really say it, but like kind of my impression was like Harry's poker face slipped enough that because Draco knows him so well, Draco was able to see, like, oh, wait, it really you really don't think it's my father because I just saw you, like, be surprised by me suggesting it. Um, Maybe it was surprised that Draco guessed that that's what Harry thought. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's never really, like, laid out, So, it's, but that was kind of, like, my read of it was... Well, because he was, like, startled, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my read of it was that, like, Harry... Like, it hadn't occurred to Harry to think that, um, and so he was surprised at them suggesting it. Yeah, no, it hadn't. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, I'm just saying, like the 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 look in front of a judge would be oh, not yeah. uh, conclusive one way or the other. Yeah. But um, he he says, "Hey, so look, looks like you killed Hermione, just like he threatened to do in front of the whole Wizengamot." And then Lucius says, "No, I didn't." And he's like, "Well, then there must be somebody else out there who did it, and someone else who tried earlier to frame Hermione for Draco Malfoy's murder. Like, either you killed her after being paid for her life." Or you blamed your son's attempted murder on an innocent girl and took all my family's money under false false pretenses. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, like, if we are sort of like taking everybody at face value here, like up to this point, what what then do we think Lucius thinks is going on, and why is that motivating his actions? Like, does he really actually think that yeah, it was Hermione, but she happened to die? Like, like as Lucius, I think that Lucius is not dumb. He's not dumb. I think at the top he says what he's thinking, which is, I do not understand what's happening at Hogwarts. 
And so, like, he, he I don't think, he really doesn't know. Oh, okay. um, so unless he, he was behind the murder, he knows it wasn't him. Yeah. Um, so, like, he, he knows whether or not it, he himself did it. But beyond that, he's, he doesn't know what's going on. Oh, so he is um, legit. I guess, I guess I had in my back of my head that, like, Lucius has, is operating on a theory of what happened. But I couldn't figure out what that is. But if he's actually legit, like, fuck, I don't know what's going on. Then yeah, that, make, that makes even more sense. That's my read on it. Yeah. He does turn it around on Harry. He tries to briefly and says, yeah. maybe you killed her in hopes of getting your money back. And he's like, I wouldn't have given you my money in the first place. Bullshit. Yeah. And he's like, oh, wait, sorry. You're just saying that for the body cam. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. And then we did, like when Harry like finally does like let them know that his, the unspoken suspect is Dumbledore, like how quickly and easily both Lucius and Draco are like, yes, that must totally be it. Um, and they're fully on the Dumbledore train of who killed Hermione. Of course they would be. I want to dive into that theory when we get to it. Um, uh, well, yeah, let's, let's hold off on that. We'll, we'll table that for now and get there when we get there. But the, uh, um, let's see. I think that uh, you pulled out the next long quote yeah. where... Um, yeah, so Lucius... But, well, this is really quick before we get there. The funny thing is, like, Lucius keeps saying a couple times, like, oh, yeah, you know, I can reduce your remaining debt to House uh-huh. Malfoy or I'll absolve you of almost all of the remaining debt. And it's like, no, fuck oh, you, man. Give me back my money. <laughs> like, you, this is something that you now know was having under false pretenses. You don't get away with being able to keep that shit. Fuck you. But I like how <laughs> oh, I think he tries at least twice money. to say, you know, yeah. well, I'll just keep what I've got for now and, you know, we can cut back the rest of your debt. And it's like, no, 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 no. Come on. We can work out a payment anyway, sorry. plan. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So as Lucius keeps like trying to pull that, um, yeah, Harry's response is basically like, uh, "Yeah, I know that's not going to work for me." Um, and so the longish quote, uh, and this is sort of like the first layout of this plan of Harry's, it says, "Lucius Malfoy, you are now perfectly aware that Hermione Granger was in fact framed using your son as bait, that she was false memory charmed, or worse, and that House Potter held nothing against you before that." My counterproposal is that you return my family's money. I announce before the wizen gamut that House Potter holds House Malfoy no animus, and we present a united front against whoever is doing this. We decide to screw the roles we're supposed to play and ally with each other instead of fighting. It could be the one thing the enemy doesn't expect us to do. So yeah, I li- and this is the part I liked. Is like, oh, we're like this is very much like no longer J.K. Rowling. Um, yeah, this would never happen Rowling wise, yeah. but I feel like that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. That ship well, sailed just like a night, like, nine and three quarters because, on the first day, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> but like, because how it's just sort of like this totally fits, like this makes sense, like both of like, okay, you know, what kind of character Harry is, but it also just like, it makes like, oh, this is like a smart thing to do. And um, I also like how Draco in this story is, while he's, so he's not um, the rolling Draco, but He's also not, it's not, because you could have just, like, written either, you know, Lucius or Draco as just, like, oh, and in this world, they're nice people. Um, and we haven't done that. Like, there's, he's still the Draco, but we get, get to sort of, like, take that same personality and make it not be the villain. Um, so, yeah, like, and so, the, like, just, like, having set up all these characters with all these motivations, this, like, totally makes sense. And it's, like, this kind of, like, really interesting, cool, like, now, like, Malfoys are going to be, you know, butting heads against non-specific threat. Um but without, like, just kind of turning them into, like, happy, shiny, good guys. Right? Um, Everybody gets this awesome, fleshed-out character yeah. that makes perfect consistent, consistency sense yeah. with, like, doesn't abandon where they came from, you know, in the original work, but just builds on it in a new way, yeah. in the way that's plausible and awesome. Yeah. Especially, like, yeah, it's cool. And, yeah, especially, like, and then Lucius is very sincere, like, love and just, like, protectiveness of Draco, 
without him also again like not turning on Pollyanna like he's also like even aware of like what kind of like a lost soul he is but like that's the one last thing so it's still like very much kind of like fits the theme but makes yeah it makes which is like a lot more three-dimensional so yeah, it's cool isn't it fun but they're also still like wildly racist so there you go and yeah you gotta uh i mean he's never going to bring lucius around to the light side of the forest yeah. right but he's he's planted the i think how did how did dumbledore put it you're trying to uh plant you're trying to deceive Ms. Uh, draco malfoy by planting the seeds of love and kindness in his heart <laughs> <laughs> he's like harry's like yeah like that would ever work yeah, exactly. Like he's like, oh no. Well, he says, yeah, like that would work to uh, just showing him true friendship and kindness. Mm-hmm. And I remember that on this reread, I noticed that that's what Fred and George say they're going to do to redeem to redeem Harry was by showing him true friendship and kindness, mm-hmm. like the exact same words. Um, it's all delightful. Anyway, so uh, like Lucius for a while is kind of just hell bent on keeping the money, and he's just you know, um, you have nothing to offer me worth a hundred thousand galleons, and he says, well, sure I do. Like. You know, your your son can be left out of the next generation's power structure or not. And um, then <laughs> he says, this isn't about me being desperate. This is about you getting a fair chance. Oh, and if I refuse your fair chance, what then? And then this is kind of like Harry voicing the less, mm-hmm. the slightly less creepy part of where he gets to in a second. And it, I mean, it's a it's an awesome threat. Like it, it's, it's a little creepy, but it's it's kind of like that. I don't know badass justice porn sort of or <laughs> justice justice boner isn't that a subreddit um uh, yeah i'm sure it is. everything's just a subreddit sure. but like he's like well you know it depends on what happens after the new government gets put together uh you know maybe uh i'll just pay you back the money out of petty cash or maybe all the death theaters will be retried for past crimes mm-hmm. and executed as a matter of justice as a result of due legal process of course <laughs> and, it's a lovely family you've got there lucius Right. if something happened to him. Sounds like, uh, I mean, all he has left is Draco, right? So, yeah, it's a shame um, if something happened to your son, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I like the line right up. So, uh, Lucia says, You truly are mad. And Harry's like, Yes, it's silly to think I could scare you. After all, you're not a dementor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is where he's pointing out to himself that since, uh, um, what was it? Now that he'd failed decisively to prevent any deaths during his quest, he had no in- further intention of being restrained by the law or even the code of Batman. I do like how, appropriately, the code of Batman is placed above the law. <laughs> we answer to a higher law. The code of Batman. The code of Batman. Yeah, and then this is where Harry gets, like, this. I think this is his crescendo of creepiness. Um, uh, because it's not only, like, so he's having these, like, very cold, calculated, you know, theoretically ethical, but, like, cold-blooded thoughts while there's something extra sort of like full metal jacket about him not speaking any of this out loud he's like pretending to listen to lucius talk while like coming to the conclusion that it's now totally fine to kill lucius malfoy so he says his last chance to live lucius ethically speaking your life was bought and paid for the day you committed your first atrocity for the death eaters you're still human and your life still has intrinsic value, but you no longer have the deontological protection of an innocent. Any good person is licensed to kill you now if they think it'll save net lives in the long run. And I will conclude as much of you if you begin to get in my way. Whoever sent the troll after Granger must have targeted you too and hit you with some curse that makes former Death Eaters melt into a pile of goo. Very sad. Um, 
Yeah, especially because, I mean, because it's got like the, you know, smug sarcasm stuff going on and, but like super, ethically speaking, your life was bought and paid for. Um, and again, and like the, and the extra level of, and everything he said is correct. Um, you know, the, the part of it that spooks me the most, and it, it didn't occur to me to read it quite with this lens, you know, when I read this the first five times, I was sitting there like, fuck yeah, Harry, that's badass. Yeah. But the, when he's like, hey, you know what, that's actually kind of creepy. Now I'm reading it that way. And the, the part that gets me, he says, any good person is licensed to kill you mm-hmm. now if they think it'll, if they think it'll save net lives in the long run. And I will conclude as much if you begin to get in my way. Exactly. And it's yeah, like, get in my okay, way. so if, yeah. I, if I obstruct you, you're going to decide that, I'm, that you'll save net lives in the long run and I'm, I'm now able to be killed. Um, like, he probably wouldn't conclude the same of Dumbledore when Dumbledore, you know, hypothetically were to obstruct Harry's takeover of Magical Britain. Um, but, like, if, if, his, if his bar is yeah, getting not. in my way, exactly. and I should hope not, right? Yeah, <laughs> if I think it'll save net lives in the long run. I think, you know, and that's, that's the creepy interpretation. I think where he's really coming from is he's saying, look, because you are, in fact, an asshole Nazi, um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out of my way to kill you. But if you get in my way, I will. Like, that, that's, uh, that's much less creepy than just saying I'll kill anyone who gets in my way no matter who yeah. they are. Um, like that, in that way, it's just full Dark Lord, right? You could just imagine yeah. Hermione saying, Harry, don't, you're, you're, you're doing something uh, terrible, and he just kills her because she's getting in his way. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's full madness. This, yeah. is, this is more constrained, but it is spooky. And I like, like that metaphor um, I thought of a few weeks ago of, like, so substitute um, an abortion doctor here for Lucius. Like, it all still applies. Um, like the only difference yeah, being whether, whether a, or not you agree on whether you know it is or is not a life like everything else like that's the only difference um, it would be the same like somebody's making an ethical decision and saving lives uh, it's all like super cut and dry and any you know it's quote obvious what the right thing to do is um, and that's where you're like this is why we just all need to take a deep breath chill the fuck out um, <laughs> what I like about that too is that it, it it demonstrates that even people that you're you could you could scarcely be more ideologically opposed to like have motivations just like yours yeah. coming from the same place right and equally convinced and, of of their you know the rightness of their cause exactly and like it's just a matter of like again what what you believe about the world but you know like the people who and this it's not like this happens every week but the people who kill abortion doctors they're not doing it because they love killing people they're doing it because they think they're saving babies and like what i mean frankly what could be a higher calling um like it's super easy to sympathize with that mindset if you just can put yourself in their shoes um it's uh and actually and really like once you like put that idea on the table that's like the way easier position to defend like, who the fuck are you to say that, like, this is not a life that needs protecting? I mean, it, it's certainly more likely than if they were grass. Yeah, I don't think anyone's <laughs> worried that grass is sentient. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, but yeah, like that's like so, the more I mean, like from our point of view, I, I think because I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably pro-choice. Um, that like that's just kind of like the more intuitively obvious way to, to go for it. But then if you are going to just like pick it all apart and. Um, you know, and only analyze it from a logical point of view, like the, that is a life and you don't have any really good argument as to why it's not, you know, worth protecting. That that one seems a lot more straightforward. Um, it's easy to see how people are convinced of that, right? Yeah. Um, 
and and it's weird like you'll get people as long as we're just going to debate well not debate but pretend to debate abortion like you'll get people on the pro-choice side who refuse to give an inch of ground they'll say well no it's not a human being no it's not a life and it's like it's actually it's both of those things it's it's alive because it's dividing cells it's a human being because it has two human parents like you, you we can give the obvious things the question is is this a being worth of like moral consideration yeah. and but but it's like when you're ideologically opposed to a level where you can't let any breed broach of of uh you know the enemy's argument creep in you have to say really stupid things like fetuses aren't humans yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah i you know it's it's interesting because I'm, I'm. It's it's easy to hear me say stuff like that and make it sound like I'm I'm anti-choice, but I'm like my my position is like yeah, uh, abortions. I think wasn't it Bill Clinton who said abortions should be um, like uh, safe, safe affordable, and rare. And rare. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I'm yeah, not that, clapping every time an abortion happens, people, but like, I, I feel like they should be available and cheap, yeah. right? I guess, like that, like that's just like so like. Like, somebody could have, like, this very kind of sincere, like, okay, we need to protect that life. But, like, every, what you just, like, safe, legal, and rare, that's got to be most everybody thinks of it that way. Without, like, you know, getting all, you know, tribal about the position. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anybody who in all sincerity says, I wish there were more abortions. Unless they're saying, I wish abortions are more easily accessible. Yeah. Um, but it's not like the world gets to be a little brighter place every time a fetus dies. So. An angel gets its wings. That's right. A blade of grass gets its wings. Um, and that's how you bring it back to the story. Is, is, See, he told you. Sentient, I think sentient grass is the new uh, S&M uh, trolling technique. Instead of making fun of uh, suggesting that Quirrell and Harry are sleeping together, I'm just going to keep making jokes about grass. <laughs> I, I much prefer that. <laughs> you think? The grass stuff, yeah, grass. for sure. All right, then. Um, so, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Basically, Draco jumps in and says, I think you should take the offer. Or at least, what does he say? I think you should seriously consider it, Father. Consider it father yeah. And then they just get it bigger back and forth. And, and I think I what like finally breaks scene. it is like Harry's like, okay, you know, I'll make you a deal. I will, you know, back, like you can never run the show because everybody thinks you're evil, but um, your son and you do sincerely care about like the the legacy of your house and you love your son, your son will one day rule all of magical Britain because I will back him. And he sort of like gives a logical argument for like, and this is why it'll work because <clears throat> people have seen him as like somebody that would help Hermione. He's not the douchebag everybody thinks you are. Um, so he will be able to like make a compromise with a, you know, a, a middle ground that doesn't want to be in a giant war. Yeah. And I, I also like when he, he pulls out the, the contract and uh, I, it occurred to me when I was listening to this today that, like, Moody's eye can see through everything. There's no way he didn't see a wadded up piece of paper in that kid's robes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he, he didn't for the sake of the story, but whatever. I just, I'm like, yeah. hey, come on. Anyway. That's true. You know, maybe he's looking at other mm. stuff. Who knows? That's the problem. You write yourself in a corner when you, when you put in these, like, super powerful things in the plot. Yeah, uh... Mad Eye's Mad Eye is mad powerful. Yeah. Um, so this is where he says, well, technically, I didn't say I wouldn't bring a ballpoint <laughs> pen to this meeting. So he, he scribbles on there, um, wording to the effect of, like, House Potter doesn't believe House Malfoy is responsible for Hermione Granger's murder. 
and in addition to all the other stuff that he had on there, which I don't think we get to see, we don't see the full contents of yeah. or really quite get everything that's included in it yet. Um, you get like a little aside from Harry, like, oh, thank God when I went and read about it that the Magical Britain legal system is stupidly simple. Yeah, charmingly simple. Yeah, yeah. we I also have really lawyers. They think yours are cute. Yeah, um, yeah um, and, then, and then like Lucius tries to like fast talk him into like changing the wording from indemnify or yeah from exonerate to indem- indemnify or something trying to play lawyer gotcha um yeah i looked up the difference on exactly wh- i mean i know what exonerate means but indemnify what compensate someone for harm or loss yeah they, um uh, like you take on liability right so like oh yeah so i see why you know he wanted to try and get that in there instead of exonerate yeah. but it's whatever it is uh nice try but no i know exactly what that word means lord <laughs> malfoy um I also like this, too. One of your muggle artifacts, I suppose? What does it do, son? It writes without needing, needing an inkwell. I can see that. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's what it does. You asked me. Um, <laughs> anyway, so then he's sitting there tapping it, and he's like, all right, well, now who, uh, who's this third suspect? Um, I'm surprised that he's even curious anymore because it's, you know, I guess maybe he did catch the look of surprise in Harry's face because yeah. the third suspect could well have been Lucius, right? Yeah, well, um, and I guess because he still sees it as like, okay, that was, you know, that was bait put out there to manipulate me. So I wanted like spring that trap. Like he doesn't want to just like let right. that slide. And I do like how, um, like, I, it's hard to put a finger on it. Like he, Lucius is competent. He's smart. And I like that. Like mm. it, it's, uh, you know, Harry tries to dissuade him. And he's like, look, if you're going to sign, if you're going to sign, please sign first. Because otherwise you'll just think that, like, I'm trying to persuade you. And he yeah. says, I'll take my chances. And, like, I think that he's not saying that as, like, a I'm sure of myself or I'm just, I, I, you know, I don't care, whatever I want to know. He's, I think he, in my mind, he is, like, actually, like, no, I'm, I'm willing to risk that. I, I want to know. And then when he says it's Dumbledore, he says, a strange allegation. Do you suppose I'll believe anything of him only because he's my enemy? Yeah. And... Like rather than being like, aha, that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, fact, it's like it's the like, first thing he says like is like in Dumbledore's and, defense. Yeah, it's like they're verbally fencing, and like Lucius is like fighting back. Um, not so much like fighting back, but like you know, he's not. They're not just like mocking each other or humoring each other, or just like waiting for their turn to talk. Like um, they're they're parrying. They're actually engaging with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. and so um, like. This is so. Here's here's the beginning of Draco's theory. He says the reason I was able to kill a full-grown mountain troll was that I had a weapon which Dumbledore gave to me at the start of the school year. It's not strong evidence, but it's suspicious. And if you think that murdering one of his own students is not, yeah, yeah, that's what struck me as well. I mean, it is just a rock. Like any old rock would have worked. And yet, this is the one that Dumbledore said. This is the one that Dumbledore wouldn't let him leave the room without putting in, you know, carrying on his person at all times, and. Uh, I mean, he said it's your father's rock, but mm. he's like, no, carry around this fucking small boulder and like, just, just do it. And so then that turns out to be, if not the perfect weapon, like, again, it's not like a, like Harry says, it's not a troll, it's not a sword of troll slaying, but it's, uh, it's well calibrated to work on something like a troll and not against say like a rampaging hippogriff or a bully. Right. Yeah. I guess what seemed weird about it was like, it wasn't. So yes, he used it as a weapon, but there wasn't anything about, you know, if if the idea had occurred to Harry, he could have gone out and gotten any 
large heavy object and done the same thing. So was it like? It didn't. Um, I'm like, what do you mean? It didn't occur to Harry to to make something into a weapon. <clears throat> the idea came to him organically in the moment because he happened to have one on him already, right? I think I he was car- so. he was but, carrying I mean, the rock around could, because so because Dumbledore right. told him to, but he, not because idea, he thought it might come in handy. But the idea could have occurred to him. I guess it's like there wasn't like he didn't need Dumbledore to give it to him. I guess maybe like he happened to nudge him, but that seems like very different than oh, I gave you the weapon that let you kill a troll. I mean, he did he could have accomplished the he same thing. Make, he, he, he forced him to, to leave with it, right? He wouldn't unlock the door first. I think Harry's exact words were, well, yeah, I see that, but oh, that's, of course, that's, that's, the door wouldn't open unless I put the quest items into my inventory. Yeah, but that's not like, and then Dumbledore gave him the weapon that let him kill trolls. Like, Dumbledore gave him the idea that would have won. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like it put, like, more importance on the, the specific rock he was given than seemed like was called for. Even though it is so, yes, it's his father's rock and his sentimental value, but it's not any more capa- <laughs> not any more capable of killing a troll than any other rock. No, other than I guess a smaller rock wouldn't have sufficed. But yeah, exactly. yeah I, there's there's big rocks. I'll be honest. At this point in the story, I'm skeptical um, uh, if like that rock has any sentimental value. <laughs> it's like I, you know, he visited his parents' blown up house. He could have grabbed, you know, uh, anything, right? But I doubt. Wait, are you saying it's ugly, not actually rock. James Potter's rock? It's a counterfeit. <laughs> oh, you know what? Harry had a pet rock. This is his pet rock's dad. Ah, his... <laughs> <laughs> it was Harry had son of pet rock. Son of pet rock. Um, <laughs> passed passed down through the line of the Potters, a smaller rock each generation. <laughs> Yeah, how the does, first potter had die? had a mountain. When a rock dies, how do you know? <laughs> well, you I mean, come on, you know. know. So, if, as long as you're not you a know. monster, you just know. <laughs> um, I like how, <laughs> like, when Draco's speculating, he gets out of his chair and is pacing around, and I just picture him doing, like, the Sherlock thing. I think at some oh, point yeah. he actually sticks his finger up in the air and says, we'll get him. Oh, he does. Um, you know, there's, like, hands yeah. behind his back, bent over, pacing. Well, like the it's other things that do points. suggest that something weird is going on is that, like, you know, the wards didn't alert yeah. Dumbledore to Hermione being ripped in half. It, um, like, what would have happened if this goes to plan? Like, uh, Malfoy and Potter houses hate each other forever, and maybe Dumbledore wants that. Um, it's yeah. uh, I, I, what I like about it is that you know whether whether it it sells or not, he puts together a good sales pitch for it. What's interesting, like, we haven't... So all the fuckery that had to have gone on for a troll to kill Hermione, like, we haven't seen Harry try to pick that apart. Like, he's, you know, was obsessing over, okay, how can I bring her back to life? But it would have been very Harry uh, for him to just, like, keep, you know, picking that apart to try to figure out, you know, how was it done? And people are just kind of, like, going, I don't know, shrug. Um because yeah, like I think that there's not much had, else for him to poke at. Yeah, well, I've, like, or at least like they, him laying he, out like that. The, the hairy way to do this would be like, okay, even if you like can't figure it out, it would like lay lay out all of the possibilities and point at the things that are uncertain. Because it gets like when, like the troll had to have been there the whole time. I mean, not had to, but like it would be just kind of a like it would make wards like irrelevant to the plot if you can sneak a troll in without the um, wards knowing. So it had to have already been there instead of, like, brought in the day before. So, yeah, but, like, we haven't heard, like, Harry, like, you know, mulling any of that over. 
he's going to go to all the trouble of figuring out how he can get like a hit squad of goblins to help him overthrow magical Britain. He might as well <laughs> wonder how you sneak a troll into the Hogwarts. That's a good point. I also like what you're what you mentioned about like maybe it had to have been there the whole time. And I, I one of my favorite chapters that's like mainly internal Harry monologue is the multiple hypothesis testing where he's arguing with himself about the threat of Lord Voldemort and stuff. Yeah. Um, we didn't, it would have been cool to get that about like, okay, what the fuck killed Hermione and how, um, we get a short version of that, but it would have been fun to get a, you know, 10,000 word dump on it. Um, I guess my, my latest paranoia theory is that, um, uh, motivated by the, when, Quirrell went all drooly and crawled away from there um, after he did his last, like, I'm going to let you go see space moment. That Quirrell's capable of being in multiple bodies. So the troll was, except where the fuck did the troll come from? So I don't know. But the troll was Quirrell, and Quirrell coming running was also Quirrell, and he's just only kind of half in one. So one of them is pretty drooly at any one moment. Um, except still, like, you, you still need a troll. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. But so because like, because for for the was it just the wards the ward said Quirrell killed her like that's it so that troll was Quirrell in some like essential sense of like okay maybe it's not his body but like Quirrell's controlling that troll um, to nitpick the ward said the defense professor killed her it right? was a previous defense professor that would be fun I imagine <laughs> your 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 role privileges are revoked when you're fired um, much like they delete your account you know for all your uh, admin privileges when you leave a job, but fix the um, I I do like that. Yeah, previous previous defense professor could have been the troll. The the I like the I always love the paranoia. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I'm thinking about is if if Quirrell was in fact piloting the the troll, he wouldn't have also been needing to rip his way through Hogwarts to save Harry. He could have just piloted the troll off the edge of the the balcony, right? Well, no, but so like, that's all an act. So yeah, for, he, for whose benefit? For, like it seems so weird that, that he knew where the boy who lived was, right? Well, but the, see that, but it's very cruel for him to like let part of his lie be, you know, uh, revealing more about himself than you already knew to make you think that you have now seen the whole truth. But that so yeah, him like burning his way through all the walls to try to get there really fast is just an act to convince people about how he was trying to protect Harry, while in fact he's actually you know biting off Hermione's legs. And just sort of drooling his way through those walls, um, mm. and so yeah, I don't know. But still, where the fuck did they? Tr- you know, even if it is a coral troll, like where the fuck did the troll come from? That I mean, I guess it could be like we still don't. Whatever the um, the chamber of secrecy thing, like we still theoretically have like dungeons lying around with random naughty things inside them. So maybe there's just a troll in the basement or something. But. How did the troll show, in the in the original book? How did the how did the troll get there in the in the original? Was I think it just, it just walked in, just or no? Quirrell helped it in, but Quirrell, there were like, snuck it in. like I don't think the wards of Hogwarts were like a real thing, other than like they keep muggles. No, that away. seems all. That's I've, I only can remember wards from this. Like it might have been like randomly mentioned, but as far as I have any kind of specific role, I don't remember anything from the originals. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for, for the fun of it, I'll point out that actually this riddle is 100% solvable with all the information available to the book so far. Um, the, how did, how is it that Quirrell killed Hermione is the solvable riddle? <laughs> Everything about the troll, I mean. Oh, about the troll. Okay. Um, I guess, like, the way, if I'm going to, like, uh, plant a flag for a prediction, I'm going to say, like, whatever it is, it's going to be just sort of, like, very plainly true. It's not going to be, like, some, 
you know, strange interpretation of whatever that, uh, whatever the truth is, it's going to be, well, yes, Quirrell fucking killed Hermione. Like maybe some like, alter, but it's going to be a very straightforward Quirrell killed Hermione because like, just like trying to trick us into second guessing the wards when there's no second, no need to second guess them. So yeah. Fair enough. I like that. Yeah. The, you're, you're postulating that it's not going to be like up in the air at the end who killed Hermione. It's going to be explicitly oh, no. Quirrell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. All, all shitty go, things. Go, go, go. Are, I, I, yes. All, all shitty things will be Quirrell. Quirrell <laughs> slash whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, and so then there's uh, how does this chapter wrap up? I think we've covered most all of it. Um, yeah, we just get like, to uh, yeah they sign the contract. Um, it's when so then like that's all done. Harry walks out and he just listens. he's like oh yeah by the way don't worry it was a ballpoint pen, but yeah I totally signed a contract with the Malfoys. And too late for you to do anything about it because the goblins are already something something certifying it blah blah blah. And then what is it? I was uh, Mad Eye, Mad Eye's curses. Merlin, damn it, son! <laughs> um, I was, I guess I keep like picturing Matt. I mean, even though they're all supposed to be English, I keep picturing like Mad Eye Moody as having like some kind of like grizzled, vaguely Southern accent. You know me too. Like uh, uh, that would just fit. Not 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 Clint Eastwood style, but no. like um, like. You know, two of his five kids are hooked on meth, and he's got you know some kind of car up on cinder blocks. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not picturing so much that. I'm picturing more just like like a doomsday prepper, right? Oh, yeah, totally. yeah okay, uh, I can see that too. Yeah, but and yeah. and just like somebody who's also like fiercely badass themselves. You can like if definitely uh, if Jason Statham were just <laughs> as paranoid as hell, right? You could, but you can definitely picture uh, Mad Eye chewing tobacco. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that that fits perfectly. You know, like he he always has a flask on him in the <laughs> canon books. It was because uh, he didn't you know didn't trust anything prepared by somebody else. Oh, yeah, but that's true. you know, it could just be whiskey in there. Or he's know. just a functional alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. Although I did like how that that was actually a really fun twist in the canon where it was just Polyjuice. He's just sitting there chugging all day every day. Oh yeah, because he's actually uh, David Tennant. Right. <laughs> um. Anyway, you see, yeah, Mad Eye gets. Reads enough along this where it says that you exonerate House Malfoy of any involvement in Hermione Granger's death, and uh, then I guess any he goes on to read. Done, you he's like, fool. What the hell? Why right. The way he says like why in Merlin's name. Did you ever watch the very like 1950s Superman with George Reeves? No relation to Christopher Reeves. Um, they had two different Reeveses play Superman. Yeah, unrelated Reeveses. Very like huh. in, in a very dorky looking like because you know they. They hadn't yet invented anorexia and, and body dysmorphia. Um, just kind of like a pudgy-looking middle-aged George Reeves in a, you know, spandex suit. Although, I don't even know if they had spandex back then. Anyway, the, uh, who was the, who was the head newspaper dude uh, in Superman? Like, Lois Lane's boss. I have no idea. Yeah. I only know the head, I only know the head uh, newspaper yeah, guy of the, one fictional comic, exactly. or one fictional newspaper. Yes, he's the, he's the DC version of J. Jonah Jameson. Um Anyway, yeah, like his uh, his catchphrase was "Great Caesar's ghost." That's what <laughs> Mad Eye keeps reminding me of. You should watch it because I think they like, use Merlin. The, the George like, Reeves Superman at, is campily awesomely bad. I will put it at the like tail end of my list of things I should watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, superhero movies struggled for a long time <laughs> before they had a chance. Um, what was I going to say about a? Uh, the Superman something something oh Merlin yeah like I in my head, in my mind they just like 
you saw about Merlin for Jesus, and it yeah. kind of works like in a, on a number of ways. You know, like gigantic, like, important figure, possibly mythical, and also used as a swear word. Yeah, um, I think like it was Jesus in Azkaban at the same where time. the R was like, and how by the by Merlin's ball, like the hair on Merlin's balls, <laughs> and he blocked the killing curse. I'm like, that's hilarious. That's, that's a, that paints a picture. It it, <laughs> it it paints one that you can't help but picture. <laughs> Thanks. How do you delete uh, a thought? Ah, uh, wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right, lead us into the next chapter. Chapter 98, rolls, comma, final. Um, this was cool. Like, And again, like how much I don't know what to make of these chapters because, I mean, it's totally cool that the kind of, so what happened, so the, the, the uh, five-second version of this chapter is all of the heirs of the uh, great and noble houses get together and be like, okay, you fuckers have been fired. Uh, you clearly fucked this up. You don't know what you're doing. So we're taking over and there's new rules and we're all uniting against whoever it is that's fucking with us. So that's kind of the the end of the thing but it had again these like weird combinations of like so i took like and it was like really affected the kind of like raw raw effect of like okay we're like getting it all like we're all joining together you know um like we're the power rangers um or voltron (laughs) like all the great houses are joining against um but again like there was just this this is what, what i wanted to ask you about so did um, so we'll get into it more, but there's kind of this, uh, like the houses get together and, and they create these like new rules uh, for what's going to go on in kind of defiance of, of the teachers. Did it read to you with like a, a creepy authoritarian vibe or is that just no, me? It, it did the opposite for me. I think really? so part of it is like, they're not doing this merely because they're nobles. I think they're doing it because they're nobles with, uh, parents or relatives on the board of governors of the school like they were the only ones with the power to do it and so they like stepped up so right and they pressured their parents into actually passing an edict to make it happen like i don't think anyone got fired what they're saying is like we're putting in additional constraints on the rules of hogwarts and it was less to do with um like because we're now taking control and more about like we feel like you're not doing enough to keep us safe yeah and this isn't just about the nobles Right, yeah. This isn't just about the nobles, you know, protecting themselves, it, and it's not even just about the nobles unilaterally fighting back. It's, I think, it's about all the students. In yeah. fact, I think it was. Um, I'll just find out because I loved this line. Yeah, that part did, uh, and it like because every like you you admired the like the unity and the like and the sincerity of everybody's motivation. So it wasn't like oh, like the noble people are the ones that are important, so we're the ones that did this. It was more like we collectively have to like get together and do something about this. And we, as the specific kids of, you know, because our parents slash grandparents are the ones on the right boards to do this, we were the ones that it needed to be us, so we came together. But it wasn't so much, like, it's, this isn't for our benefit, it's just we were the ones that had the power to do the thing, so we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I My favorite line, I, and, well, I mean, there's a bunch, but in, in their, like, when they're listing off the rules, it was Theodore yeah. not saying... All fighting in the corridors or anywhere else outside of defense lessons will be dealt with severely. Fight together or don't fight yeah. at all. Like, this this is about, like, not about some small band of people usurping the authority. It's like, no, look, we all need, to, we're all in this together. Somebody's yeah. killing people at Hogwarts. Yeah. This, is, this, this goes beyond houses. This goes beyond rivalries. 
Um, I, I thought it was badass. I mean, well, that's why I was. I'm. I'm still confused by it because it was totally badass, and and especially like the shit I've kept saying is like, oh, it's not so much like. You know what the it's not so much the conclusions that Harry came to it was that he did it unilaterally, so this is exactly what I keep saying like oh it would be so much better if um, so maybe now I just sound like an asshole, <laughs> but because they're totally like and it, but like and that part totally did work like they have like come together they did this sort of like mutually um, without so it's not like you know in advancement of any one person's you know agenda and it's like a very sincerely like like a self-protection like let's come together and help each other because the grown-ups in the room are not doing it right it's so like all of that's super cool and, and like as and all of that coming across like i really dug and just kind of like and that rah rah you know vibe to it was like really cool but it just what's kept striking me is weird especially because they like okay now there's gonna be nine oars roaming the hall there was just this weird authoritarian vibe to it that didn't seem like it didn't need to be there. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just, it was weird. And like, okay, and like, so now everybody needs to join the Hitler youth. I keep going to Hitler, sorry. Um, it was like, okay, anybody that hasn't been in, de- in defense, in uh, defense against the dark arts class will be getting training from blah, blah, blah. So it's this like heightened, this very sort of like post 9-11 vibe of, okay, everybody's got to travel together in threes, and now the cops are going to be always like here um, to look at us. Um, everybody needs to learn how to fight, uh, except you can't fight with each other because vigilance. Um, so it had just this very kind of, yeah, like, like authoritarian, authoritarian doesn't quite capture it all, but just this like, like the way kind of like a society like suddenly goes rigid and conservative in the face of a threat. Um, in a way that like you didn't have all these elements didn't have to be there so then it felt like um, I don't know there was like these these extra bits that were that had kind of this weird sinister vibe under it but I, I'm really not sure what to, what to make of it because like the parts of this that were cool of just like hey we're all like coming together like really did work especially like the last kind of end quotes about I mean basically like yeah we're fighting together um, and they like say they in a very much kind of like a Power Ranger way. They like have a final speech, but they, like each one of them just says one sentence. Um, yeah, so that part was fun. I'm trying to back, and that was totally cool. I dug it too, but yeah, it was weird yeah. though. No, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm trying to to parse my thoughts on it. So like, you know the the uncomfortable like this all again it, like the sort of dis uh, yeah the discomfort feeling about it. Maybe that's just what it feels like when you know someone says, all right, we're taking the system and we're turning it upside down. Um, and yet, like, they're doing it in a way that is not necessarily about, like, getting more towards, like, a, you know, a pleasant, democratic, liberal, secular democracy, um, mm-hmm. and more about, like, okay, like you said, I think the post-9-11 vibe is sort of what's going on. Yeah. And yet, like, maybe because, you know, we saw how bad that went in real life, but yeah. this is also a smaller scale. It's, I'm trying to picture, like, Imagine a horror movie with instead of like five people, it's like 50 and they all keep, oh, you know what? Did you ever see that terrible, terrible, it was a great movie, but a terribly annoying movie, The Mist, the Stephen King uh, book oh, adaptation? I don't think I ever actually have. Uh, oh, I think I just saw part of it. Spare yourself. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot of fun if you want to be super pissed, but um, basically, sure I don't like know how many survivors are left. They're hiding out in some grocery money. store or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. And there's just like, yeah. 
So anyway, the what would have been awesome is if somebody came in, you know, five people with guns and said, okay, look, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to be fucking stupid. And I'm going to make, you know, the five of us are going to make sure you're not fucking stupid because we don't want any more people to die. Like, that's kind of what this feels like to mm. me in that it's unequivocally the right thing. And yet you're kind of doing it through uh, force. Yeah. I didn't, it, the analogy didn't come through, I think, when I said it as much as it is in my head. But no, um, yeah, I think I hear what you're saying. But I hear you. Yeah, and it def- the but definitely like that, the motivations like, things, of everybody that, involved, things have gotten serious. Yeah, right. And everybody's motivations seem very like sincere and like and good like, and coming from a good place. And it's it was like even cooler that like like Draco is taking on kind of this like leadership or like Draco's being a little bit Harry Potter here. He's the one. He's the one's kind of like doing this rallying cry. It's not so much Harry. Um, and so that like that was really cool. But like as we're as we're talking through this, that one of the things that seems it just seems so weirdly out of place. Like, because as they're like reading through, like, okay, rules. These are the things that are going to change. Like Susan Bone says, okay, now the you know the DLME, the uh, the cops are just going to are going to be here all the time. And she sort of like gets on her walkie-talkie and, and calls them in. And then nine or like the doors burst open and nine oars march in. Um, that was I mean like really great and effective as far as being dramatic, but also like like very militant authoritarian feeling like suddenly the cops come in and just like stand there to, to look intimidating, especially because of the kind of the weird, like usurping of authority that like the teachers are just kind of sitting there, like taking it that, uh, yeah, it just had that like, like that seems so conspicuous. Like you could have just said like, you know, okay. And then there will be, there will be safety officers. Um, but how kind of like, okay, the troops, like, you know, they were the shock troops popped in, like they all showed up in their stormtrooper outfits. Um, yeah, it just had a very weird, like, uh, you know, authoritarian drumbeat vibe to it. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. Um, it's, uh, I don't know what else much to say on it. I'll try and get my thoughts together here in a second. I'm pasting something else in the notes really quick because it needs to be there, so... Um, let's take it from the top because there's a couple. Well, and then we'll talk more about oh, it. Oh, I missed that. Shows up organically. Just in the oh, good. Or well, Brodsky. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So we have. It starts. It's a Daphne Green point of view. I think it's the same night. Actually, I never checked the dates on these. Um, God, if there's some, you know, uh, what do you call that? Like, if there's some numerological code and all the dates and times on, like that half these chapters start with. Ain't nobody got uh, time for that shit. Oh, somebody's got time for it, but it ain't me. Uh, anyway, uh, Daphne's going back to Hogwarts. You know, she she recalls her parents arguing about whether or not she should go back to Hogwarts. Yeah. And um, there's this fun little throwaway thing about how, and this kind of just like, again, lampshades, how all the nobles happen to have kids that are all the same age. Yeah. Apparently it's tradition. So they'd all be in the same year at Hogwarts. Uh, they try to synchronize the birth of their heirs. Um, yeah. And then, so he, like, like here's the part that... Reading program. Yes, exactly. This is the part that makes me chuckle every time. Um, it says, Miss Greengrass, a shadowy silver-robed figure that whispered. And then uh, she says, You, I thought you, I come back to you now, the silvery-robed figure said in a strong voice, at the turn of the... And then, like, what are you doing in my bedroom? And then it comes out that it's Draco <laughs> and all this and that. But it's obviously Gandalf. Oh, is that what that and, was? Uh, okay, I didn't pick up on that. I come back to you now at the turn of the tide. Come on. Oh, is that what this... Like, I... Fucking, I'm, I'm not a quoter. I just um, saw the. I, well, and I, I could, because what I was playing back quotes. in my head was uh, was um, was the whole you know Bayesian conspiracy thing between Harry and like when they were all you know Roby and being dramatic. 
that's what I was playing back. That this was like uh, Draco get, getting back to his oh I'm part of a cool kids conspiracy thing. I that may have been part of it, but I think that the silver robe and so. the exact line makes it. Uh, yes. No, I, I believe you. And you know it helps too that I just saw these movies. I think I mentioned recently within the last two months. So um, that that's what he says when he shows back up as Gandalf the White. So maybe like in uh, Draco's time off, he went and. Uh... <laughs> and power read through the Lord of the Rings. Oh, I forgot he could read them and not watch them because this is like 1991. Oh, so. yeah. Um, you know, they, they were, I'm sure you're aware, shitty movies from what, the 80s? By Ralph Bakshi. Uh, okay, who's, yeah. Who's, uh, who was the mentor? I see, you just pushed my nerd button. Uh, the student of Ralph Bakshi who did the uh, Lord of the Rings and, oh, and Fritz the Cat was John Crickfalusi, also known as John Kay, who was the lead animator on Ren and Stimpy, which is great moments in 90s culture. You seek little monkey. <laughs> I'm glad we got that trivia. There you go. And that's, that's, and, that's a fun connection. Uh, uh, Ralph Bakshi, a, uh, a big fan of what was called rotoscoping. So if you ever see like the Lord of the Rings animated version, it's like very obvious. So it's all animated, but it's very clearly like drawn over the actual motion of of live actors so like the way like uh the hops will, they'll sort of like jump up and down like throw a tantrum that like the motion's very like clearly based on like actual human film so yeah it's weird i've seen clips and it's it so now i know what they're why it looked like that that's interesting because yeah. otherwise it just looks bizarrely unnatural like the like the earliest prototype yeah. of cgi yeah yeah i guess that was yeah. kind of like ralph bakshi's shtick was the rotoscoping it was like he did that and everything he also did this other weird like I want to say Greek or Roman mythology, something that did that too. It also it kind of like had a whole like shadow puppets look to it because uh, I guess they would like film them like it would be like they'd be like shadows on a wall, um, and then that would be what they would uh, draw it over. But yeah, it looked kind of cool, but it got kind of old for like two hours of it. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, and also uh, Fritz, the, you should watch Fritz the Cast just because it's fucking weird. Okay, I'll yeah. put that right above Superman on, on the end of my list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. so what is Draco doing in her bedroom? Well, he's here to recruit and explains what's going well, He explains it off camera, but we get it later about what's going on. Um, first, he shows her that he can cast the Patronus charm to basically demonstrate I'm not this evil villain, yeah. um, which is awesome. It's this nice moment, and he's, he knows that she can cast the mist form of it. And while he's got the Patronus out, he says, I did try to help Hermione Granger. Because I know the sickness at the heart of Slytherin's house, the reason why so many of us can't cast the Patronus charm anymore is hate. Hate of Muggleborns, or just anyone, really. People think that's all Slytherin is about now. Not cunning or ambition or honorable nobility. And even, and I, and he's like, even I know, because it's obvious if you just looked that Hermione Granger wasn't weak in magic. And so he's like, he's sitting here proclaiming, and that's why she it says her mind has gone blank, and she's this another nice little beat. Her eyes started nervously around to check if there wasn't blood coming out from under the doors, just like the last time something had broken. <laughs> and when, when you know, everything, quote, broke when uh, Quirrell got the bullies. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, all right, is, is, she's, she, she's got, like, this knee-jerk, like, okay, shit's crazy weird. Is blood coming out from under the doors again? Is, you know, is, the, there's, is there chanting? Okay, yeah, this is just regular weird. All right. Regular weird. <laughs> Civilian levels of weird. Um, yeah, and she's, like, super shocked to hear, because, I mean, Draco's basically, like, shedding his whole, shedding his skin like a snake. Um, he's, he's basically, like, like disowning that, that racism, and he, like, he's, 
uh, complimenting is the wrong word, but he's sort of like acknowledging the worth of Hermione, even though she's a uh, muggle. Um, and he's just sort of like, okay, like I've, I've seen the light, and this was all bullshit, and it's fucking us up, so we've just got to stop. Um, so yeah, I like it was sort of like this is like the beginning of like Draco's like hero moment. Yeah, and you said muggle when I think you meant muggle-born, just so uh, no one adds us oh, on Twitter. Yes. Um, but, uh, and the other cool thing is, you know, because this Patron, the Patronus is like the the perfect symbol of, you know, not just like photons, but light, you know, the mm-hmm. light side and everything good. Um, so he's got that out while he's saying all of this, kind of just to make it 100% clear that he's like, I'm not bullshitting. This yeah. is how I actually feel. And it's cool. It's awesome. Um, yeah, I liked how too, and uh, I don't know if we've got quite there yet, but like how like Draco's like it's not just like oh I become a good guy, but he's like taking on this like leadership role, and that like uh, you know we hear how you know this this is kind of his like this is not like the Malfoy's plan. This is and not so much like solely Draco's plan, but this is something that Draco is doing of his own accord, uh, not necessarily in defiance of, but independent of his father, um, and that he's like doing this accord, and he's like. You know, your mother will negotiate it with father, but I'd like the green grasses to hear the proposal from you first. Like, he's got plans, man, and, and like an idea, and he's like, you know, recruiting other people into it. And so he's like, kind of like, you know, formulating a movement here, like using kind of his own will to do that. So he's kind of like becoming his own larger character here. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah. And like you point out and we're not quite there yet but you know when they do the whole let's stand in front of the school and tell everyone how it's going to be Harry's just up there for a second to say we don't blame House Malfoy and I think he goes back to his seat like Uh, yeah uh, and and then it's all the other noble kids that like stand up uh, next to him yeah it's not a super friends um, yeah in fact I just checked (laughs) he does go back to his seat afterwards like it's this is this is not Harry flexing his boy who livededness at people this is the you know the will of the yeah. powerfully connected students saying we're going to make things better around here. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. Yeah. So yeah. And again, anyway, like how much it wasn't about like anybody, it wasn't for the, like the greater glory of any of those kids involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, this is, uh, this is for everybody. Yeah. It's awesome. I guess. And you, you this, this could and, have been played as that like, okay, now Draco has seen an opportunity for him to become like, future leader of Britain, but we don't like, I don't get the impression at all that that's what's um, motivating Draco. It's like, like what he said about like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Honorable nobility. Like that is like the legit thing. He's like, no, this is just what I'm supposed to do because like being a Malfoy means the the good side of being a Malfoy means this. Like, it's not like even with Draco, these aren't like selfishly motivated. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, I thought I had something to add there, but I can't think of it. So um, I guess before we get to the dinner scene, we cut to Harry, who's I like how he's just like invisible all the time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he they he's talking to the Weasleys and he needs stuff. Yeah. And so non-specific um, stuff, non-specific stuff. And I want to guess for a minute about what that is, because we need to fill some airtime. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, everything fast. I think the thing I about know. like him like running around like invisible all the time and just like talking to people and only his hand pops out. Something about that like totally made him come out as like the creepy homeschool kid. <laughs> it's like no. I mean, at least he's got a reputation. Invisible. Must be invisible at all times. It's like you know, and, you know, every ninety minutes I must microwave my underwear. Okay, well, I don't know who you knew who, but I I, I like it. I mean, I've um, I've heard yeah. 
<laughs> like he's come to the closest I've come to that is we didn't have air conditioning in the house when I was a kid and I used to put like I'd get a t-shirt wet in the sink and put it in the freezer and oh, then yeah, you know there. around two or three when it mm-hmm. got super hot I'd put the shirt on and for like four blessed minutes you're comfortably cool until the shirt just warms up and then and you're then just you're hot just and warm. Like sticky. Yeah, you like yeah hot and wet I mean but oh you know what there was an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer took to heating his pants in the in the um in the oven, remember? Where he's going command. I was no commando was from France, but that's why there's the only thing between us and him is a thin layer of gabardine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he asks uh, he asks Fred and George to procure him a list of things and he gives them this list and I think a big bag of money. I'm not sure how much. Yeah. Um and like Actually I think he said I think a hundred galleons, I think is what he said. Is that yeah. all? Yeah, it didn't seem like much actually after we've been adding up all the other amounts, but yeah. But in any case, I, I do like how uh, he's like, there, there's this nice moment where, you know, it's it, it illustrates perfectly the difference in the different kinds of good between yeah. Harry and the Weasleys where, you know, like, hey, you guys should take a 10% commission. And um, they're like, shut up. And he's like, for God's sake, you guys went after that troll for me. And Fred had his, had his ribs broken. And they just shook their head because like Harry does like doesn't see him standing up and, yeah. you know, distracting the troll and killing it as a debt but he's like oh well you guys helped me so i owe you one um i, I didn't uh, get what to make of uh, maybe because i will just have like a knee-jerk negative reaction to anything having to do with atlas shrugged um but like so that's like when harry so harry's like you know rolling through his head like seeing this uh reaction from fred and george of basically you know the thing he's primarily noticing is their like complete selflessness and that like they only want to help Harry and they don't want to be paid back. Um, and, but that I, I didn't know what to make of like, so Harry's reaction to that was, I can't remember exactly how I put it. I can't find it right now, but that like, Oh, you guys need to uh, remind me to buy you a copy of the muggle novel at the shrugged. Um, but what the hell was the point of that? Like, like Harry was like, not just puzzled, but like critical of their like raw altruism. I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't read Atlas Shrugged. Um, I think the, the core message is, like, you're important and, like, your needs can come first. Yeah, I think it was. Um, a, but I, I'm not sure if I'm paraphrasing that fairly. Like enlightened selfishness uh, or something like that, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'll have to leave that to anyone who's read Atlas Shrugged to explain what exactly that means. I'm guessing it's something along the lines of, like, uh, maybe he's modeling the Weasleys wrong because they're modeling themselves correctly as yeah. badass heroes who like, no, you know, doing nice things doesn't mean debt. Right. And Harry is being a little more transactional about it in a way though, where Harry doesn't absolve the debt that, you know, the Weasleys gave him by saving their lives. Yeah. Um, like Harry has like the, if the Weasleys have a problem where they're unable to acknowledge that like, you're right, you know, we did do something nice. Maybe, you know, something nice in exchange would be nice. Harry has the opposite problem, like where he there's he's just, you know, what he does doesn't count as favors, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was weird because no... we like this is I think this we've already had Atlas Shrugged mentioned, and when it was, it was to be dismissive, um, be like yeah 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 selfishness blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, for him to bring it, it was just like weird. I'm like, what's the point? What was what am, what am I to make of this? Um, because yeah, because we've already sort of like mocked Atlas Shrugged, then I don't think it's supposed to be that like, ah, oh, the, we- the Weasley twins need to learn a valuable lesson because they haven't you know seen the light of Ayn Rand. 
Um, so it didn't seem bad. But then I'm like, also, is this just to like show that like you know Harry's often his you know weird little um, you know Voldemort world of you know transactional relationships with the entire world and um, yeah, it was just it was just weird. Or maybe it was just like, oh, I guess I gotta mention that one shrugged here because it fits. Maybe there's uh, I, I've I've got one uh, you know armchair theory and then one you know possible actual thing which is that maybe there is some actual valuable wisdom in that book and like Harry got that part out of it and the rest is garbage but again I haven't read it because I, mm-hmm. I did look at it and it's huge and okay. I don't have the patience like, for it I got like three um, you know, missing I got like 300 pages into it and I'm like uh, we're just gonna keep doing this I'm done yeah <laughs> I'm a big fan of like most philosophical like treatises or even like big new ideas can be condensed down to like 15 pages and that's in my limited experience how most big philosophy books are mm-hmm. they give their they give the whole argument in the first chapter and the subsequent 350 pages are it's just them defending their argument yeah. but if i'm sold on the argument i don't need the, the yeah. rest of it right um like peter singer's animal liberation is a great example uh like the 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 his whole case is made in the first I want to say 20 pages and then the rest is just about like, okay, yeah. So here's all the evidence about why this is, you know, animal suffering is actually a problem. But if you just take that, if you already accept that, you don't need to read all about the terrible experiments, all about factory farms, all this and that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, I get it. So anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I sympathize with you dropping it after 300 pages. <laughs> we'll, we'll let somebody who's read the book defend it. But I do, uh, as long as we're here, we need to uh, or not necessarily defend the book, but defend what they think Fred and George could get out of it. Cause I'm curious about that. And I know somebody who's listening to this has read it, so. Yeah, yeah, it was um, weird because, I mean, it was so much, like, standing out as, like, like this is a lesson Harry could be learning from them. Um, so, yeah. I mean, and one, like, this, you could interpret this as, like, like that's a a sign of, like, Harry not getting it. Like, oh, Harry's still so fucked up in the head that he thinks that, like, like their their selflessness is some kind of character defect that needs to be, you know, fixed through this, like, piece of shit. Uh, Atlas <laughs> like, but but I, you know, I actually I don't know that that's like what's it's yeah it's confusing because it doesn't it doesn't quite come across that way. But it's also confusing that like this isn't the first time we've like we've already um, Atlas Shrugged has already been mentioned in this book and not in a flattering way. So uh, yeah, I just I'm puzzled. Oh, that reminds me. So I forgot to give my armchair example of why this oh, might yeah. be here. Maybe the author had managed to struggle through all 500 pages of this book and wasn't going to let it be known or, you know, wasn't going to just like, you know, get something out of this shit. Yeah, exactly. I need, I need to, you know, I, I can't have read this for literally nothing. <laughs> was a quote of it, like anybody that uh, whenever you read Atlas Shrugged, you're an asshole to all your friends for the following three weeks. There is, uh, I've read clips. I'm, I'm not even sure if it's a full fanfic or if it's just like paraphrasing ones, but there is a, uh, a fan fiction, like I said, either a chapter or maybe a whole story about Harry being like the perfect and Randian model of a person. Mm-hmm. And he's as, he's absolutely as obnoxious as you would anticipate. <laughs> um, I'll see if I can find that somewhere and shoot you a link. But I bet if you Google and Rand Harry Potter fanfic, it'll show up. Oh God. <laughs> um, it's like, imagine him. Oh, well, we're now we're getting too far afield. So, uh, what do you think Harry bought with his hundred galleons? I can't remember how much that translates to in Muggle guess, money. Uh, so if a hundred thousand was two million, so it's a what twenty to one? A hundred thousand was uh, five two, million. Five million, so fifty to one. So yeah, 100, so five five grand. It's not okay, a fortune, five but it's uh, more than an eleven year old ought to have. It's a chunk of change. Yeah. What would, right, so, so what would Harry buy for 
five grand. Well, and he said it's like a mix, like some of it uh, is only muggle-ish, but even hard by muggle standards. They might even have to go out of the country. Um, nuclear material, no. Uh, so if you were Harry and you had a budget of $5,000, what would you be buying here? And you're just like, worried, you're like trying to like defend uh, you and yours from Voldemort at Hogwarts. Uh, and if I'm from, Harry, from an intellectual... From from a yes. smart threat that is hell bent on killing you and your friends. Surveillance equipment, but now if you've got to go out of the country, oh yeah, maybe like if he's like saying go out of the country, maybe he's talking about oh they'll have to go to like the U.S. to get the latest tech in bloody bloody blah. Um, not like massive weaponry because that's not Harry style. Uh, actually, I, I just pulled that idea out of my ass, but that surveillance equipment thing sounds like solid. Um, With but, the only problem that technology doesn't work around Hogwarts. Just technology, the concept of technology. That, that, that was a thing in that was a thing in canon. Uh, I don't don't, don't ask me why uh, that yeah. works. So now it's still gonna be some kind of surveillance equipment that like Harry has figured out at Munchkin into Hogwarts. That works. So and so, like no, so no giant weapons. No giant weapons. Yeah, it'll be something like yeah, yeah it'll be. Uh, so yeah, I don't know something that he'll. Yeah, what would he need? Like oh, I couldn't get it here, and I need you to go get it for me. Um, I want to say something that's going to feel vaguely like Home Alone. He's going to like. I feel like Harry's above Home Alone and, stuff. and more. Towards oh yeah, it's like Harry like levels uh, of Home Alone, but like he's going to booby trap shit. That could be part of it. Something. All right. Well, I'll just my my first thought, especially when it says you have to go outside the country. What's well, hard to find in Europe, but easy to find in the U.S. Oh, guns. That is also good for home. Yeah, for yeah. for self defense. See that just. Like I'm thinking guns. he's having them buy him a gun. Yeah, I'm, and, and some like, other stuff. Uh, yeah, five grand. Though, so he's not. He's not. For five grand, he's not getting enough guns to like arm him and all his friends. Uh, no, just himself. Like a short, you know, a short list of friends. To, I guess it depends. I don't know how much. How much is like a, like a, AK forty seven, hundreds. Well, I mean, an AK would probably be pretty big for an eleven year old, but yeah, I don't know. True. So you, you think about that, and you think about like this is nineteen ninety one five thousand dollars money. I mean, like a pistol now oh, is yeah, th- three to six hundred dollars, right? Yeah. But uh, so yeah, he, I just he could yeah, get a dozen big, pistols. Big gun seems like just not Harry style. Now getting Rocket a launchers. big getting a big gun for somebody else to point—that's very Harry style. <laughs> <laughs> getting a big gun for Neville would be very Harry. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got I get, so yeah. He kind of threw me that like the quote technology doesn't work. So I'm not really sure. It's gonna be it's gonna be something something clever though. It's gonna be something Rube Goldbergy. Yes. I think that since it's a list, we're allowed to speculate for as many things as we want. Yeah. So, like I said, my only guess at the time was like a gun. Oh, and maybe sulfuric acid, because he had the idea yeah, earlier. But yeah, I guess yeah. That, but yeah, what you say like oh, might have to go out of the country. That does seem like the United States is the country, not like France. He doesn't need right. cheese. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be, but it, it'll be some kind of like, like his whole like, oh, I'm gonna like make potions to out of sunlight. It'll be something along those lines of, haha, you people never thought about it this way before. It'll be that. That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. So the next day at dinner, we have, uh, let's see, it's just yeah, starts with Draco doing the ding 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 ding, and getting everyone's attention. And I do like how he deliberately doesn't walk before the head table, but to the yeah. opposite end of the room. Yeah. And uh, according to the puzzled stares of 
Oh wait, no, it just says the headmaster gave no sign. Other people... Oh yeah, various professors looked in puzzlement towards the headmaster, which means that this wasn't like announced to the current faculty what we're yeah. doing here. Um, yeah, and I wasn't sure whether to... If I thought that Dumbledore like knew this was coming and was okay with it, or if he was just like, uh, let's just see what happens. Um, I guess I'm kind of leaning towards the latter. Yeah, I think he's been there and done that. And he's just not yeah. flappable. Yeah, but but like he did, he has made a decision like not to try to stop it because like you could, that's one way this totally could have gone is oh we can't let these uppity kids act out. I don't think that's really Dumbledore style either. Yeah, also, you know what? Actually, Dumbledore probably is in the know about it because this was made by the Board of Governors, right? Oh yeah, um, probably yeah, that's true. They probably they brought in the, the headmaster to be shouted down at this meeting. Yeah, and also nine oars didn't show up to Hogwarts without Dumbledore knowing. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, so Dumbledore's <laughs> definitely in, in the loop. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Now I feel like I, I understood this better. Huzzah. Huzzah. Um, so he gets up and he says, we think that, uh, we don't believe that Hermione Granger uh, actually tried to kill me. And he's, you know, I like how the royal use of like we and the house uh-huh. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, house, house Malfoy doesn't believe that Hermione Granger uh, tried to hurt, tried actually to kill me. Um, we, you know, now that, she's been killed we uh how does he put it um we now say that whoever dared use the heir of malfoy so is the enemy of house malfoy upon whom we shall have our vengeance and that honor be served we have turned all monies taken from house potter and canceled all debt oh monies you know i know that's a real word and that's probably the appropriate usage of it but i hate that word it sounds like someone it sounds like a child mispronouncing money that's how lawyers talk I think it's misspelled. Yeah. It's M-O-N-E-Y-S. I think it's I-E-S. I could be wrong. Yes, but Maybe in British it's spelled E-S uh, or Y-S. I don't know. Like, and, then like, so, and then Harry responds like, uh, House Potter acknowledges that it was an honest, honest mistake and holds House Malfoy no ill will. Like how he, like, he also refers to himself in the third person, House Potter, but even more weird because he is House Potter. Like there are no other Potters. <laughs> right. <laughs> We <laughs> Harry Potter, publicly not say. Of, of the ancient and noble house of Potter. Harry Potter, who is the ancient and noble house of Potter. I am the Potters. I am, I am right. the Potters. Um, so everyone gets ready to freak out. Draco just keeps tapping his water glass. And, and then... Yeah and, uh, yeah, and Harry goes and sits down. It's like, not yeah. the show. He says, I'm, I'm done. And then, uh, what is it? So we get Daphne Greengrass, uh, Lieutenant Knott, Tra- or what's uh, Theodore Knott. Um, and uh, Susan Bones and Neville Longbottom, who had returned for this one night, yeah. uh, and Lucius Malfoy's heir, Draco Malfoy. And so then, uh, apparently, they, them with somebody else, Alana Howe, constituting a majority of the Hogwarts Board of Governors, have issued the following decrees. Decree. We've already talked a bit about this. Yeah, but. This just reminded me of like, a weird Eddie Murphy stand-up about rules. New rules. One. Lillian cannot use the phone. Anyway, okay, that was either raw or that's one of the one of the classic '80s Eddie Murphy stand-ups. Sounds fun. Yeah, I could tell you're excited about it. <laughs> well, no, I'm trying to think. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to remember if I'd seen it. I've seen at least one of his stand-up specials, but then I was thinking about uh, delirious, raw and delirious. It was one of those. But yeah, it's like the guy's like drunk and like starting to boss his girlfriend around. He's gonna make new rules in the house. Lillian cannot use the phone. Lillian cannot go outside. Can't go outside. You better call up your friends and tell them, ah, oh, but you can't use the phone. Anyway. Um. <laughs> All right. So first, my yeah, house. students it's are not house. to go anywhere. 
and to travel yeah. in threes, no, even to, to the bathroom. Even in the bathroom, all the, uh, yeah, everybody's got to pee in threes. Um, <laughs> At least it, which means they better have you know, five, five urinals. off the tongue. Five urinals in the boys' bathroom, or that's just not going to work. Right, you need the yeah, proper need spacing. The proper spacing. Um, every group must have a sixth or seventh year student, and everyone, or no, the second rule is the R's. And somehow you missed this. I pasted it nicely large in the notes. I did. Oh, you know why? The reason why is because I listened to this and did not read it, and so I didn't pick up on the name. Well, there you go. now you have R. Brodsky. This R. is Susan Brodsky. Bones. Enter. Enter. And then the doors slam open and nine R's march in. For someone who's somehow out of the loop, uh, Inyash Brodsky did the audiobook for this, and he's immortalized as R. Brodsky in the story itself. Yes. So, third, we get Draco saying uh, um, the house point system is temporarily suspended because we need to come together as a school. We're not going to do this, you know, separated in, uh, you know, our little houses. There's no um, red America. There's no blue America. It's just the United. Okay. Um, you know, and I, and I totally get that vibe, and I, I see what you're talking about. And yet, like, for me, I'm just thinking, like, it makes sense here because there is, you know, an actual threat. Like, yeah. So, you know, shit no, and like, went and, down. The, and the whole like, oh, we're all like pulling together, like, the, like the this is awesome vibe also came through. Yeah, it was just kind of a weird mix. It's it's spooky, but things have gotten serious, so it's time for things to get yeah. spooky, you know? Yeah, and was um, and what like, and maybe it's also because like Theodore not uh, was always kind of an asshole. Um, that like he's the one that says like, okay, there's something about like, okay, there's no fighting, fight together or don't fight at all. Something about that seemed weirdly sinister even though it's like a don't fight but it's like okay you are now forbidden to fight it was yeah it was always strange right i like that and it's it's a nice turnaround for theater not to um and yeah we know his dad is one of the inner circle death eaters um and the uh the last rule is basically the cops don't report to the teachers um they report (laughs) to the ministry and you can go through daphne if you want to talk to them or you can talk to them directly um, and then you or want to speak read to your out union just representative. The, what was that? <laughs> or speak to your union representative. That's what we put, like the weird vibe under it is like, Oh, we're this like, with this like subverting authority chain in here to like get around that your you know, your official boss is not entirely your boss. Right. And I, and their, the reasoning is sound. She says, since memory charms have been used on students without setting off wards, it's possible that someone on the Hogwarts faculty may be implicated. Mm-hmm. And that's why the 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 art the auxiliary protective force reports directly to her father, Lord Greengrass, not to the teachers. Yeah. Because some of the teachers might be compromised. And then she pauses her dramatic effect because they'd all rehearsed this part, which I like to just imagine in their yeah. practice session. Um, they do their like Captain Planet move. <laughs> <laughs> we do not know who the enemy is. We do not know what the enemy wants, but we know who the enemy is attacking. The enemy is attacking Hogwarts students, and Hogwarts is going to fight back. And finally, everyone was working together. The real Voldemort was something, something all along. One third of listeners will get my inside joke with that last line. Oh, I didn't get it. No, you won't get it. What'd you say? I said, finally, everyone is working together, but I said it in italics. Is that something I'm going to get later? No, it's from Worm. Oh, suck. Oh, it's it's all it's it is the quintessential best like culmination of that book. It was so yeah, it's badass. Kind of like drawn insider line on me. 
Could, could I'll, I'll fill you in later. Around. I don't. I can't Fine. spoil the whole story for anyone who hasn't Fine. read it. Um, yeah. Oh, we actually have a whole other chapter left whole to cover. I forgot. Chapter. I don't know if we'll have time. Yeah, shit. Yeah, it's, so, it's, uh, um, it's we're, we're running low on time. We'll have to summarize this one real quick. Uh, chapter 99, all 13, Aftermath. All 13, 15 Ten days it? later, the first unicorn, first dead unicorn was found in the Forbidden Forest. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, maybe I wonder all kinds of things. So, like, in the originals, like, the dead unicorns eating or killing and drinking unicorn blood was how, like, the half-formed... Voldemort uh, was able to like keep himself alive, um, and so yeah, I'm wondering about that. Does this mean that like Quirrell like is starting to need that in order to stay alive, or is this what I'm kind of leaning towards? Is like this is just the- more theater on Quirrell's part uh, to get people to freak out, um, especially like I the- love. We're at the point now where everything with Quirrell is is a meta level move. <laughs> I guess yeah, I'm like done. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, oh, I wonder who's killing the unicorn. No, I'm not, I'm not wondering who's killing the unicorns. Uh, I'm wondering why he's killing the unicorns. Um, wow, what if it turns out I'm wrong? Uh, it was, Boy, won't you feel stupid? It was Ludo Bagman the whole time. We're, we're running out. It's got to like we got to reveal this soon, aren't we? We're like only got twenty something chapters left. Um, it's just going to end in very unsatisfying. Like we don't ever get to find out who Voldemort was. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like it's the real Voldemort was uh, Argus Filch's cat, which is <laughs> Norris. Um, anyway, that reminds me. So uh, this is the end of the arbitrarily drawn Harry Potter and the Last Enemy, um, or Harry James Potter Evans Ferris and the Last Enemy. Uh, I think it is the shortest, like of the, you know, the whatever hand drawn lines between the books. So when was what? Um, which think, episode was our? Um... Retro. What, what? Which episode was our, that last retro? Um, From, what are we on? I couldn't From, tell you off the hand what number it was, but I could tell you that it was right before chapter 86, which is multiple hypothesis testing. Um, like, what, like five or six episodes ago? Yeah. I think it was right after their trial of Hermione Granger, yeah. yeah. So it was just a, you know, maybe maybe five. It, like, these, these went by really fast. A lot of these were pretty short chapters. So I think per that, and per, like, wanting me to force you to simulate something like the the patient the impatient wait we all had to suffer through reading this live um i think what i'm going to do is for the next episode we're going to do chapters 100 101 and 102 uh-huh. and then we'll do the retro before 103 uh-huh. and the fun part of that is so get this like 101 came out on december 12th 2013 102 came out on July 26th, 2014. So, seven months? A full year and a half oh, later. Yeah. That's and then the chapter after that came out January 29, 2015. So, half a year after that one. He's busy. Um, yeah, no, no, totally. And I, I, you know, I get it. He has a day job. That part's all fine. But for us sitting here waiting for each new release, it's like, uh, I don't know. It, it, was, it was awesome agony, but... You know, you don't have to suffer through it. You get to read it all at once. So I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna force you to wait. That's what I get. A gripping I get moment, pissed off with for the, one week. Oh yeah, I did because did I did I give you the? Oh, I couldn't find the first issue of the East of West, the comic book. Um, it's no, really I just awesome. borrowed I uh, 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 Preacher and Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah. But yeah, it's okay because it's a really great comic book, uh, East of West, and I, so I like started powering through it. And I'm like, oh fuck, it's not over yet. So that was like a year <laughs> ago. 
Um, so I think oh, I one more uh, collected. So like book nine just came out, but it's still not fucking over. Join, join the club. I've been reading Berserk for I want to say over a decade, and this, <laughs> this this it's a it's a manga series that started in the eighties, and wow. like every few months we get a new chapter, and it's been that way for years. Um, for no no joke, uh, there was like kind of like this hiatus with like occasionally sparse chapters that went on for like six years where they're like on a fucking boat ride. And <laughs> there's this one character that like barely gets any lines, but is like kind of this fourth wall leaning uh, comic relief character. And they're like, man, it felt like we were on that boat for a really long time. It's like, yeah, you're on the boat for six years. <laughs> um, anyway, luckily we didn't have to wait six years when this came out just a year and a half. So you'll get to wait a week after the chapter one Oh two. So for, like I said, because I rambled and got everything confused next week, one Oh one, one Oh two. And Wait, I'm sorry. Jeez. You know what? I got to fix that. 100, 101, 102. Right. 100, 101, 102. We can't forget chapter 100. It's very important. So. All right, cool. That's where we're at. Word. Any final thoughts? Do you want to wrap this up? I think with uh, time crunching, this will be... Uh, uh, we might not even break the two-hour mark. Compact. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, um, you know what? I can fill another 30 seconds by announcing our guests for the next episode. Oh, there you go. We have, or likely enough to be graced by, I think we mentioned on the air a couple times, there is a meta podcast about this podcast called Metamore, which I think is hilarious. Which is totally um, fucking weird that I can't listen to it, but there you go. Huh. Yeah, it's spoilerific, so you can't listen to it, but it's hosted by April and Enyosh, so they're going to join us uh, for our retro next and I can, episode. I can just next. grill them. What are you saying about me? What? What is it? It's, it's surprisingly, like, you know, tame. It's just, it just contains know. full spoilers. It's not like they're spending the whole time shitting on you. So, <laughs> not the whole time. Not the whole time. I'm just, just all time. But it's, you yeah. know, it's like, it's, it's tempered by the love of Ineosh. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited. They're all good-natured um, shitting on me. <laughs> yes, precisely. <laughs> so, anyway, right, in so a couple weeks, we'll have April and Ineosh on to talk about, uh, you know, the story thus far. And oh, yeah, and that's, that, that's next it's week, a crossover episode. It's a what? It's a crossover episode. It is both a We Want More and a Metamore at the same time. That's right. I think it's our first crossover episode. Yes. That's exciting. We should, we'll have Ineash and April do our intro, and then we can do theirs. Do they have one? I don't know. They don't have an intro. They just start. They need one. But we will do an intro for them, and they can yeah. do the intro for the next one. It's perfect. Yes. All right. But keep in mind, that's all two weeks from now. You know what? It's glad we're wrapping up early because I'm already rambly. Once again, 100, 101, 102 next week. See you back here, same time, same place. Bye, folks. Bye.